Hello there chat, hello there people listening to us, if you are not on Twitch but on YouTube. We are Vampire the Masquerade people. And we gather in our little Vampire the Masquerade houses, in front of our little Vampire the Masquerade cameras and microphones, to talk about Vampire the Masquerade, because that's our whole life, basically. <laughs> basically, yeah. At this point, it is slowly yeah. creeping into everything else. Oh my god. So today... How are you guys doing? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Yeah. So maybe today I'll take over to the introductions and uh, we will start with Mr. Jersh. What's up, Mr. Jersh? Hello. I'm trying to get my own stream to work for some reason. <laughs> Not, but uh, hi, I'm Josh. I run a YouTube channel called Strange Adventures, which is all about role playing and vampires. Um, and I have, as most people here, been kind of lapping up all of the Cult of the Blood God stuff recently. That's my new jam making videos about that. What about you, Mr. Primogen? Mr. Primogen, um, thank you. I'm Chris, the Primogen. I have a lore video channel on YouTube and I do videos every week, but it's been getting a little bit too much lately. I've been posting stuff every now and then. Uh, I am super excited about Cult of the Blood Gods as well. I will actually be running a game set in Chicago, but using some elements from this book next week with two people present here who will be playing. I called Chicago Stories, and uh, it's going to be on my channel on Tuesday. But I'm super excited to be here, and I have all my Vampire the Masquerade stuff around. So, And I can't go. wait to actually hear this campaign that you guys are going to do. I'm so sorry I can't participate in it, yes. but I can't wait to see it. Don't even worry about it. Yeah, it's totally fine. <laughs> and Hadi, hello. Hello, I'm Hadi. <laughs> I, um, I make Vampire Masquerade lore videos every Masquerade Monday. I do Let's Plays, and yeah. Uh, I love vampire. It's like my absolute favorite thing. It's has consumed my whole everything. <laughs> and I love it. We and are... I'm so excited to talk about Cults of the Blood Gods. Super excited. So as you guys probably uh, are going to take from these little introductions, we're going to talk about Cults of the Blood Gods today. And I'm Outstar. I'm still a little bit sick. My voice is still a little bit dead. I will hope my best not to cough too much during this stream. But uh, yeah, we're going to talk about Cults, which, uh, in my personal opinion, is one of the best Vampire the Masquerade books I've read in a long, long time. So I'm very happy that it is, uh, it is going to be out. It is still on Kickstarter, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah it's gonna, I think it's going to be five, five more days. days? Yeah, five, five more days. days. Okay, so you guys yeah. can still, after, if you think after our little podcast in here that uh, this is something up to your interest, you can still back it and help it out. Although it did... Uh, surpass its goal three times already i believe or maybe Quite four lot. yeah it's hundred and twenty seven thousand dollars <laughs> almost 128 so it's and four times more than they wanted to have because yeah. i think they wanted to have 30k at the beginning yeah right? 30k yes yeah, so it's, <laughs> yeah it's, it's over four times and if they hit 130,000, they're going to actually give more money to the creative team which i think is a super good goal. that's awesome yeah this is absolutely great so, I'm going to uh, pass this to Primogen, Mr. Primogen, oh, who is okay. our wonderful uh, leader, in, who was our wonderful leader in the stop. previous episode. Stop, stop. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, we, we talked a little bit about how we're going to schedule this episode, and we're basically going to go through everything that's been released in the Cults of the Blood God book or manuscript right now. If you don't know, if you help kickstart the game, you will actually receive chapters from the book in their manuscript form. So... They're still, you know, they could be changed, things could be moved around, but it's Onyx Path, the uh, standard procedure right now that you get to give input on these books. And uh, there's about seven chapters out, and it's everything from Methuselah cults to the Hikata to 
making your own cult, stuff like that. It's a lot of different content. And I think we're going to basically start out about talking, I guess we could start talking about cults in general in Vampire and like how that's becoming a, a new thing. Because that was never really a huge element in the previous editions of the game. Like mm. there would be some stuff, but mostly like the followers of Set obviously were cultish in their way. And there would be parts of the Giovanni that could maybe be cultish. But now this is like a deep dive into that aspect of their culture. So... Um, Super excited about that. Um, Actually, I want to like interject one thing. Oh, yeah, it's sure. also I, I haven't I have to admit I haven't read the Dark Ages in a long while, but I do remember mm -hmm. that Dark Ages actually did have a lot of these cultish oh, yeah, for sure. themes in there, and uh, I really like the fact how Cults of the Blood Gods does a lot of tributes to to Dark Ages book with uh, the Nephilim, for example, with the Canaanite Heresy. There are oh, so yeah. many things which are taken from these all um, good times, and I do believe that you know one of the biggest uh, problems that a lot of people had with the V five is the new system which seems to cut a lot of these old parts away because suddenly we cannot be big powerful vampires uh, we are mostly just you know uh, lower higher generation vampires and there are tons of pin bloods in there and what is going on where is my old good vampire the masquerade and when i opened cult of the blood gods i was like it's here that's what we're talking about this is actually like it is screaming Dark Ages for me. It is screaming all these all good stuff, but brought to the new perspective, which is, I think, super cool. Mm. I, I agree. Oh, sorry. Sorry, Josh. No, no, no. I, I was going to say I agree as well, because the uh, one of the most interesting parts of the lore to me was the, the fact that Mithras just took over England and uh, had huge influence in, uh, in that part of the world, in Europe, and basically did it and maintained it through inducting people into cults and I aside from watching uh, I guess uh, kind of cheesy documentaries about uh, various cults uh, like the people who wore red in America I can't remember uh, what they were called but like how those um, different cults worked in real life it doesn't really translate into uh, a particularly easy to use and I guess storify element but this I think book really really helps you with that it's got very very detailed uh like strata for where you start in a cult and when you where you end up if you're lucky yeah yeah for sure uh and to build on what what Outstar was saying about like previous content this is really uh like you said he's filling out a niche of content that uh was sorely lacking I like I never played a lot of uh, the Dark Ages of Vampire, but I do know that like I've always been sort of fascinated with the Cana heresies and the Bahari and like the worship of Lilith. And I think the Book of Nod was very intriguing for me when I read it the first time. But obviously I was lacking this key to the puzzle. And I feel like uh, Matthew Dawkins and his team is really like, OK, let's let's uh, bring in the aspect of playing older kindred as well. And. I personally really like um, the Trinity that ruled Constantinople. Like you were mentioning the uh, Nephilim, is that what they're called? Yeah, the Nephilim uh, are the are the ones that were back in the days known as the vampires who go on the path of Archangel. Oh, okay. So, okay. Yeah, Michael. Yeah, yeah they, Michael. Yeah. So it's 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 really for me. This is a lot of new territory. So I'm still like trying to find my way, but it's it makes so much sense that uh, someone who is undead suddenly has their whole worldview turned upside down. Like, yeah, I'm a rational being, you know, science can explain everything. 
and suddenly you're undead and you can't really explain it with science. People are trying. You have Netchurch, for example, trying doing his experiments, uh, the Mulcavian. So you go like, all right, so what's the deal with this? And then you meet all these really ancient vampires like Helena from, from Chicago or, uh, or Mithras or uh, what's a guy in, in, uh, in DC? Um, Marcus Vittel. Marcus Vittel. So we talked about him in the last stream too. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He, he keeps popping up, Marcus Vittel. And and you go like, okay, this is as close to God as we can we can get. Yeah, I think yeah. I, I think it literally said exactly this last time we were we we're so. going. Yeah, uh, it's it's just such a great um, such a great aspect of of role playing for me. Sorry, Heidi, I've been talking over you. So. No, you're not talking over me. Um, I would just echo things that you guys have already said. The writing is incredibly impressive. It's probably, I've, I've read the V5, the Camarilla, the Anarch. I haven't read Chicago by night because I don't want to, because we're going to be playing it. Um, but it's incredibly impressive writing. It's very macabre. It's very dark, but it's also very purposeful in the way that it's written, which I really, really appreciate. And um, I have, I think before reading it, I had sort of the same idea as Prim or like, uh, you know, why, why a vampire and, and cults and religion, but you know, you start reading it, the little letters in the beginning, and you're like, oh, I totally get it. It makes sense, right? You know, totally join one of those cults. Totally get it. What's the best? Yeah. One of the best parts of the book for me is actually those fiction bits. I loved every single piece of them, and there are so many various kinds of them. As much as I do believe that um, the other books, especially Camarilla book, is uh, filled with a lot of those uh, Inquisition texts. You know, like uh, the they reports are, yes. of the Inquisitions, which are interesting, but they are the majority of the fiction which are in his books. And uh, of course, yeah, Carolina book also has the Victoria Ash talking about romancing uh, different clans, which was one of the funniest parts of the book. <laughs> but uh, I love her. Scary. Yeah, but Cult of the Bodgats has so many content of that, and there's so much interesting stuff, and also has one of the most interesting Inquisition bits, in my opinion. There was one bit. I remember about the, the zoo, I think, where one vampire was doing uh, rituals with animals. Subject twenty three. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and they were they were actually interrogating him, and he he didn't know what to answer. And it was it was really really awesome. So yeah, yeah I, I love these fiction bits. Do you guys have any favorites that you remember from the book? Uh, of, the, of the fictional stuff? Yeah. Um. I think I like I really like the minor called the Cleopatrans. Uh, yeah. Cleopatrans? I, I would say Cleopatrans. Because uh, it's like Nosferatu, it's like a Nosferatu uh, cult. It's very small, but it's like they, they bedeck themselves with jewelry and gold and like they try to accentuate like beauty, uh, not by removing their curse, because that never works. Like not, uh, Simish can't, can't do it, uh, Thaumaturgy can't do it. Uh, but these, they like wear beautiful clothes and like cover their faces in, in, in like jewelry and stuff like that. I think it's a really interesting, I don't know if I would call it a cult. I haven't read enough about it, but, uh, apparently they were really powerful at one time, but they've kind of been going downhill lately. How do you I have a question? Yeah. Sorry. I have a question. He, um, I might've misread this. Like I said, I've been trying to read it quickly. <laughs> um, the the cult of uh, or Nephilim, oh, the, yeah, yeah. the beauty mm -hmm. cult. Yeah. Did I read? Did I misunderstand? Did I read something in that about Nosferatu seeking out that cult for the oh, purpose yeah. of trying to not remove their curse but lessen it? Or did I misread yeah. that? No, that's that's right. Okay. Yeah, Josh, that's maybe you want to you want to talk about that because I think it's one of the most interesting parts of the book. Oh yeah. Mm. 
Oh me? Yeah. Yeah, do it. <laughs> oh, uh god, it's it's been a few weeks since I read it because it was one of the first things I, I read when I, I, I joined the Kickstarter. So uh as far as I understand, Michael was a uh a Methuselah or just a very old vampire who you know, basically got the idea in his head that he was an angel or divine in some sense. And a lot of people bought into that because uh, Toreador. And uh, there, I think, is in fact a law sheet now that includes his lineage, which is all extremely beautiful people and people that, um, uh, to the extreme, try and find beauty in uh in their lives in their physical selves and in some cases try and expunge beauty or, or, or ugly things from the world so yeah. um their blood is so powerful uh, to that effect that like like Hadley said if uh nosferatu is inducted into the mysteries of that particular cult eventually they will be able to use those that that blood and those powers to uh kind of reduce the ugly effect of their curse which yeah. um they they kind of tend to become part of the uh lower tiers of that that i guess pyramid scheme but, <laughs> i mean they're all pretty much pyramid schemes yeah they yeah. are all these schools are yeah. Yeah. there is one fictional letter that literally is just some guy raging about how all of these cults and all these there's just a bunch of pyramid schemes yeah, <laughs> yeah. there is literally one of the letters yeah i love it i love the various perspectives that the fiction shows and about if we're actually talking about the film I think I, I just uh, pulled something from the Dark Ages book, um, which is the path of the Archangel itself. And I reminded myself of how it looked like the hierarchy of sin for that path. So for those of you guys who, who yeah. haven't played the previous versions of Vampire the Masquerade, um, we didn't have only humanity back in the days. We also had paths. So vampires didn't exactly have to go for the path of humanity if they wanted to, you know, remain uh, away from their beast and just, you know, uh, regular uh, behaving vampires. They could take various paths, which were kind of like morale codes for themselves. And Path of the Archangel was one of them, which was uh, very much tied with the cult of Nephilim and My Michael the Archangel. And uh, what it was is that, uh, the, of course, the uh, best of the best of the Nephilim wouldn't indulge in any temptation. But uh, when it comes to lower sins, it was going one day without performing any creative work. So they were the cult of artists and they would always do yeah. some kind of a creative work. <laughs> um, turning away from those who need inspiration, refusing to make a minor sacrifice, leaving fellow Toreator to languish unbaptized. So that's interesting. If you meet another Toreador, you have to convert them to the cult of Nephilim, because that's what they are born to yeah. do, embraced to do. Um, then going one week without performing any creative work, that's a, a lower, that's a higher sin. Uh, indulging in temptations of the flesh, which is kind of funny, because Toreadors are very much often connected with those sexual things. And yeah, yeah. Uh, actually, Nephilim um, would say that... Uh, these uh, earthly pleasures are something that we are not made of. We are made to be greater than that. We are made to create and do beautiful things. And this is not exactly a thing. If you want a, a carnal cult, if you want a cult of flesh, then go to Bahari or to some of the other ones. But Nephilim is definitely <laughs> yeah. not one of them. I mean, I mean, it's it's described like a large hedonistic sex-crazed cult full of beautiful people requires very little selling to most. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so yeah. I mean, that's that's like the bottom tier of the cult. Yeah, the the, the sex-crazed people. Uh, it's, yeah. it's a cool cult. And I think it's also very interesting that it connects to 
to the greater lore. Because like in Beckett's Jihad Diary, you have, like, I, I don't know if it happened during that time or earlier because of Vikos, Sasha Vikos uh, was carrying the, the draken within him, within themselves, sorry. And Michael removed that because Michael possessed uh, Black Marie, I think her name is. No, Black Marie diabolized Michael. And he like it's it's super convoluted, but in all of this, like this, you you can connect the Nephilim to yeah to to, to Becca's Jihad Diary, a, a very good book that I can. In general, uh, Sasha Vikos Laura is very complicated and very very huge, and I kind of don't want to go into details because it always reminds me of that one book, that book. You know which one? Yeah, I know exactly which <laughs> book you mean. I know exactly which book you mean. Hadi, uh, Hadi, Josh, do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, I think so. I'm the one sure. erotic novel. Of, uh... There was one erotic novel with Sasha Vickers as one of the main characters. And it Black, was... Black Dog. Black no. Dog. Yes. yes. When, when so you gross. say her, when you say her name, that I do know, I it, have heard that connection. It was those it was things. absolutely disgusting and unneeded. Oh, lovely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway. I think, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. I think we should maybe because uh, we started with like middle of the book, the Nephilim. And oh yeah. Which, yeah. Which is kind of interesting because. I think it's one of the most OP things in the whole book because Nephilim yeah. can basically affect Nosferatu's curse, oh, yeah. which not even Tsimitsi could do. Vicissitude as a, as a discipline was always described as if you use it to try to fix Nosferatu, it will, like, after, after the, the, the next day when they wake up, it will just all wash away. And yeah. uh, so it's very powerful that although you cannot make them beautiful, you can make them less ugly. I think it's a huge thing and one of the most powerful things in the book itself. But going back to the beginning, I feel like we should talk about why exactly vampires need religion. Because that's yeah. the core of the whole book and that's the very beginning. Like, if you are a person who wants to get this book, I think you would ask yourself this question as well. Why me as an undead great creature, why do I need to believe in something, right? So what do you guys yeah. think about it? You Harry. Yeah. Uh, me? Oh, oh I, was, I was like, Huddy, you go first. Yeah. Well, okay, my, yeah, answer, my answer might be long. Yeah, no, 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 no you, Huddy, you, go, go first. first. Yeah. You go first. Um, okay, well... I will just say this briefly. As a person who has a background who comes from a cult, I can definitely understand whether you're a mortal or a or a vampire, um, the allure of having something to believe in and having not just something to believe in, but somebody to speak for you, to think for you, to promise you things that maybe deep down you know they can't give you, but just the promise of it is extraordinarily powerful and it's very, very alluring. Especially if you are, let's use particular examples, especially if you are, a, let's say, a thin blood and you're cast into this world where you're, you're a vampire, but you're also sort of not a vampire, you know, you're not a mortal anymore either, and you want a purpose and you want to find something, that is the perfect candidate for just about any type of cult on any spectrum. Um, or let's say you're really, you're, you're an ancilla, you're a much older vampire, um, after, could you imagine so many decades of just going milling about and, you know, what's yeah, your purpose? Yeah. Could you imagine not be having any real purpose anymore because everything, the, the machinations have been over for the last hundred years. Yeah. Certainly you would gravitate towards some Methuselah, some mystical power that would, would give you that purpose. It, it yeah. totally makes sense. Upon reading the first few pages of the book, I'm like, well, that totally makes sense as much as it does for humans. Yeah. So yeah, that's my answer. 
What about you, Josh? Uh, yeah, I, I was going to say from, I guess, uh, an older perspective, having a cult is a very interesting prospect because it's a kind of self-perpetuating machine of people that will do things for you. Uh, whether whether they truly believe or not, eventually they will be uh, trusted and inducted and I guess brainwashed to some to some effect to um, do evil. And I guess even if they, uh, yeah, and that you will create all these uh, kind of barriers. And there's there's a lot of things because there's a part to this book which is uh, you can actually build your own cult, which I quite like the idea of. Um, yeah, you can build a, a whole thing around you, around something you believe in. Um, and then from the perspective of the people uh, lower down on that um, on that tier list, it is, I guess, uh, something to kind of keep you busy. Yeah. Like there's yeah. a, a structure to the uh, rituals, whether they're like magic or not. It, um, it slowly kind of uh, seeps into your day-to-day -day life and um, role play wise I, I think it's really nice that in the book they've pro provided for you um, uh, what's it called convictions right yeah and these convictions yeah. Uh, are, I guess the core beliefs of the the cult or I guess your own take on them and there's oh well I guess your own take on them is is disencouraged because you're probably going to get kicked out oh but, yeah um yeah, there's there's a lot of fun role play opportunities that that um, a cult provides. Um, yeah, and I have seen religious characters in the past, but they uh, they have a much looser connection to their uh, to their faith. Yeah. What about I you, Primogen? Um, I think that it's because with the convictions that Josh mentioned, um, the roads or the uh, yeah. No, wait, they're not called roads. The, the paths. paths. The paths, yeah. yeah. They've sort of been falling to the wayside. Like in older editions of Vampire, if you weren't following humanity, you could have an alternative set of morals. Uh, and I've always been very interested in those. So yeah. I kind of see uh, cults and like vampire religions sort of as another way of justifying your ex entire existence. Like at some point, you're going to have to come face to face with the fact that you're not human. You're a parasite. Uh, you feed off of humans, uh, you have powers different from humans, and some other supernatural creatures consider you, by your very nature, evil. And, I mean, it, it is kind of an evil thing. Like, objectively, you can be a good person, but still, because you're a vampire, you're, you're going to have to struggle with being a good person. So I think for a lot of vampires, uh, meeting other vampires who are more convinced uh in their conviction like oh yeah this is fine we're just a different step in human evolution or it, this is a packaged idea of how things are it's comforting in a way that like like how you said normal human religion would be that uh, you don't need to search for the answer anymore you can justify your existence by saying yeah i was chosen i was handpicked by mithras to be his herald it's it's fine and i think uh, that's such a human thing ironically enough uh, to want to be part of that. Um, and I think that the Camarilla's hardline stance uh, it doesn't work anymore. And I like that, that the Camarilla's like, shit, we're losing control over vampires because we're approaching Gehenna. Uh, we can't deny the antediluvians anymore. Let's just spin this so we can, we can have our own, we can take control back. So obviously there's some rather uh, sinister motivations behind this as well.
Yeah, I, I would only add, because you guys summed it up perfectly and said about a sense of belonging, of course, and sense of uh, meaning of life or unlife, actually. And of course, uh, what George mentioned, an actual profits, because uh, having your own cult or belonging to a cult can end up with very big profits to you. I want to just add a little bit more about the sense of belonging, because I think it's a very uh, primal need that we all have, yeah. no matter whether we are alive or unlife. <laughs> and in the undead... You might have a sense of belonging to a sect, but sects themselves are huge enough to have tons of conflicts within and tons of uh, you know people trying to uh, fight for, for the dominance or people that you may not agree with. So sects themselves don't seem to be that much of a great thing to belong to. It's like a nation, you know, you don't really feel that much like every single person from your nationality, right? So yeah. I would say that the sect itself is a little bit too big to fulfill this need, while the clan, well, clans are just the same. There are so many different vampires in each clan, and Hekata is actually one of the best examples of uh, yeah. inner wars within a single clan in which everyone tries to kill each other. And the book gives you tools for that, about which we're going to talk about later. But one thing I want to uh, add about the whole paths and thing, it's kind of funny because... People were criticizing V5 a lot because of the fact how paths are gone now and we only have humanity, right? But I think what we have, what a lot of people are not understanding in the mechanics per se, because a lot of people are not using convictions right, is by the use of convictions, you can actually craft your own paths per se. Because yeah. you can actually uh, have convictions which are altering the regular means of humanity. So you can have a conviction mm. which will allow you to kill people if they deserve that, for example. And this is not going to cause you stains. You are not going to lose your humanity if you're going to kill people according to that conviction. So I think it actually adds a lot of opportunities for us to craft yeah. our own paths, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. yeah. And as, as a storyteller, the first time I... I started playing v5 a lot i was thinking of conviction specifically as a way to take humanity from my players but <laughs> the more and more I, the more and more i play it i realize uh they are meant to be role play prompts for the players to yeah. uh play into instead of play against yeah like obviously you you provide storytelling opportunities for them to like maybe contradict it but yeah. like i i found most of the time people are totally cool with doing evil things uh you uh, just to go along with their convictions because uh that's i guess what they created their character for right yeah so um yeah, so having more of those conviction prompts, which I think there are some decent ones in the, the core book, but just having a whole swathe more is, is a really, really great. Yeah, as a storyteller, I would really appreciate having a lot more examples of conviction to give to my players, um, because I'm finding that I, I think it's a double-edged sword. I think it makes it easier to customize your character. Like you get rid of the whole nature demeanor aspect of it. You get, of course, your amb ambition and your, your desires. But I think it's very hard to keep track of each individual player's convictions. Well, not very hard, but it's it's it adds a layer of. Like, it depends on how well the group works together, I guess. Like in the, in the ideal game, a player would keep track on their own convictions. But you know, if you have a new player who's not entirely sure how it works, uh, it's something that the player and the storyteller should definitely try to work together to craft. I keep getting sunlight in my face oh, <laughs> which i should be ouch, happy about that it's hurts like, yeah. <laughs> um, i should be happy about it living in sweden but um i, I it, it's definitely an interesting concept but i 
think there should be an alternative for like new players. I, I guess with the convictions that come with the game, you have that, but like, yeah, if, if you're new, you don't know what you're doing, here's your standard package of newly embraced convictions. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I feel like one of the things that I would like to uh, be reworked to give more opportunities is the touchstone part. Because oh, yeah, uh, sure. touchstones, as far as I, I mean, I, I really like them as far as they are now. And I feel like they are very useful and uh, they do work in the general meaning of the world of darkness. So a lot of people who are not into them say that we don't really need to have humans that we relate to. Because why would we? We are, you know, undead creatures of the night. But I, I think they work. But I would add some more opportunities. For example, I do believe in the original uh, iteration of the V5 core book, ghouls couldn't be touchstones. Later on, it was added, I believe. So ghouls can be touchstones right now, but other vampires cannot be touchstones. Uh, animals cannot be touchstones as well, I think. And I believe that we should have opportunities to, for example, make more human vampires than us a touchstone. So if we yeah. know a vampire who is humanity 8 or humanity 9, that vampire can be our touchstone, and if they um, regress in humanity, we actually lose that touchstone and stain. I think that would be really yeah. interesting to kind of like take uh, an example of a better vampire, you know, like Salubri looking forward to Solot, right? And trying to be just like Solot while trying their best to maintain their humanity. I think it would be really, really cool. But uh, yeah, we need to wait probably for... for uh, more handbook, yeah. Yeah, for, for more handbooks. Actually, there's going to probably be Sabbat tackled eventually in V5. So maybe that will be a good occasion to have this. Oh yeah, yeah. That would that would be that would be nice. Just to throw in like, yeah, a revised stupid sun. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh my face is just turning bright orange here. Uh I, I agree that that touchstones is a finicky thing. Like someone in the in the chat was just saying that uh, touchstones should be is a little bit unnecessary. I don't agree. <laughs> yeah, me neither. Me neither. I think they're unnecessary, yeah. Because it, it is a game about losing touch with humanity. And touchstones is something they implemented in Chronicles of Darkness, I begin. At least in changing the loss, they have that as a sort of means to regaining your willpower. Um, and it kind of got reworked into V5. But I, I feel like if it really depends on what kind of game you want to play. But if you don't have any touchstones, then like what's to remind you of what you've lost? What's to remind you of who you were? Maybe you don't want to be reminded about that, but then the kind of path down the humanity slide is going to go pretty fast. Yeah, exactly. I, I do agree. I, I just really hope that we would have more chances to craft touchstones from other yeah. sources. So not only just humans, because I'm just imagining uh, Andrei from Bloodlines. Imagine the yeah. Sabbat's uh, prick. And would he really have a touchstone of a long-lost family member no. or a shopping <laughs> clerk <laughs> that he stole yeah, yeah. or something like that? Exactly. I think it's it would be really designed for Camarilla vampires and anarchs. Yeah. 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 I, I, I think uh, probably when Sabat comes in, it will be like, make a touchstone that is a creepy vampire. Yeah, yeah. That you look exactly. up to or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's I actually never even considered that what the touchstones will be for Sabat vampires. That's like a really good point. Yeah, I'm, I'm just curious. thinking, you know, because I'm always considering taking a character that I know and trying to make a character sheet for them. And V5 doesn't provide me really with an option to, even, you know, not considering the clan and the discipline, to craft Tsimitsi Andre. you know? I, I don't really know how I would tackle this kind of a character. No. And, well, the, th yeah. the thing is, I guess, 
you would, as a person who does horrible things on a regular basis, very quickly start to detach from humanity, right? Yeah. So yeah. I guess you would end up <clears throat> low humanity and I, the system is kind of self-balancing because the lower you are, the harder it is to lose it, right? But yeah. how would so, you uh, stop yourself from, from becoming a white? You know, you need to have that anchor, something mm, that keeps you there. Maybe, oh, sorry, Hadi, you were going to say? No, I was just agreeing. Uh, maybe <laughs> maybe the alternative system is that they're going to broaden what the touchstone is. Like yeah. if you're following a path, the touchstone can be uh, a part, a tenet of the path. Like that's a way to work in paths. Like saying, "Oh yeah, one of your touchstones is uh, this tier of of uh, the path of Cain or whatever you're going with." Can somebody have path of Cain? They do, right? They do, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it's the it's a path of infernal everything like that. The the dark. That's the one they don't want to have. The infernal one. I mean, although it was actually kind of funny for me because I had to ask uh, Matthew Dawkins about one thing in Codes of the Bloodcast I didn't understand very fully because I didn't remember Dark Ages book and I couldn't understand why Kainat Heresy and Sabbat are natural enemies because that was set in the book because I was like, yeah. okay, I read the path of Cain and the Kainat Heresy in general and I see all the things that I would see in the Sabbat. So humans are just the cattle. Uh, we are great creatures of Cain, and we are supposed to rule this earth, and you know, etc., etc. And I was like, this basically screams about to me. So why are they hating each other so much? And the answer is very much political. It's kind of like a schism in the Catholic Church. So you have Protestantism and you have uh, Catholic religion, but they both believe in the same God per se. So uh, <laughs> yeah. kind of. So you have uh, basically La Sombra who are controlling Sabbat mostly. And La Sombra are also in control of the Catholic Church. And then you have Canaanite heresy, who is kind of taking believers away from the Catholic Church and uh, yeah. bringing them to themselves. So La Sombra, by default, they hate the heretics. And they are the, they are the biggest enemies, even though they believe in the similar things in general. But they hate each other because they take each other's political influence. And that's yeah. why... They are so anti-teacher. <laughs> that's really that's really cool that you you'd have something akin to the schisms you've had in the in the Christian church as well. Like yeah, there's just slight differences, but because of political reasons, you should split apart. Um, sorry, by the way, for basically saying exactly the same thing that Josh was saying about yeah. touchstones. By the way, I was kind of just pulling down the blinds. And uh, sorry about that. Um, uh, but I think I think uh, I'm definitely looking forward to 2020 as far as. Uh, upcoming content going on like vampire 5.1 as someone in the chat was saying also yeah it's it's hard to keep track of, of convictions it was way harder to keep track of everyone's different roads in dark ages someone was also saying that in the chat um i remember because i did try to run uh, transylvania by night uh, transylvania chronicles uh, i did that for like three sessions it was painful i sat with like printouts of all the different roads i was like okay so now you're Breaking against this uh, core tenet, no, it's it's hard, um, especially if you have players who are not familiar with the uh, with the game. On on the other hand, when a player creates their own uh, moral guidance rule, they are far more likely to track it themselves. That's that's the other thing that I found. <laughs> I, I get my players going, I can do this, but it'll be kind of on the edge. So I need a guy like a, a ruling here. And then sometimes people are like, I've done this thing. Kinda, I'm getting a stain, right? I'm like, well, I don't sure. Know. You tell me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
So it's like yeah, basically yeah, they believe in their own character's moral codes and they try to follow them. Yeah, yeah that, that, that's the thing. Yes. I noticed that too. Yeah, it's kind of funny. Anyway, uh, I think we should move on to the <laughs> of course uh, to the uh, one of the most interesting topics when it comes to the book, which is the chapter about kindred religions and the chapter about mm. um, you know what exactly to believe when you are a Canite. And yeah, uh, yeah. there are so many interesting cults in there. Do you guys have your favorite? Josh, I will start with you this time. Uh, if you don't want to start, we can start with someone else. Yeah, don't start with me because okay. I can't remember all of them. There's so that there, there are there are a lot of them. I, yeah. I can't quite remember all of them. How do you do? Start. I'm gonna then? pick one. Sure, I have them all written down with my little notes when I was reading it. <laughs> so organized. Yeah, I try to be. Um, well. I'm sure you guys know, and anybody who's watching might not know, but you know, I'm very into LA by night and I've been having a lot of success on my channel with that. So when the very first cult that you read about in the book is the Ash Finders, right? Yes, I love them. <laughs> and that got me very excited because um, in LA by night, um, Jasper takes some ashes from a dead La Sombra named Rodrigo and keeps it. And they never really mention it again, but the storyteller does ask him several times, well, do you still have the ashes? Where are the ashes? But they never do anything with it. And we do know, we haven't met them, that the Duskborn, the Thin Bloods, are also living in the valley. And I would be interested to see if this, you know, again, because Jason Carl is playing through Cult of the Blood Gods, or I don't, he is playing through it. I don't think they finished it. I could be wrong about that. Um, I don't, I don't know if that's something they could maybe implement to use. So I thought that was really cool. And I would love to see more stuff about Thin Bloods. Um, I, I, of course, they're all over V5, but having their own cult was so cool. I don't know. I had so much fun reading through it and what they, you know, what they do and what they believe. And they turn it into a drug and they go, it's like popping Molly in the club. I don't know. It was really, actually really, really cool and horrifying, but really cool. That was probably my, my favorite one. So Primogen, do you want to continue on that? Um, I uh, I was actually going to talk a little bit about Ashfinders too, mostly. But but my not, they're not actually my favorite. But I really like how they connect with the Morches, Morches, Tremere. The Tremere, yeah, because he's he's also like he's in Milwaukee by night, and he's this kind of fringe nobody in the Tremere, and uh, he kind of he's he mostly came to prominence because he gave the translated version of the Book of the Grave Wars to. To Karna, which essentially set off the whole schism of her forming her own part of the pyramid. So it's interesting that they're still using him as a character. Um, but I wanted to talk about a little bit about the Church of Cain and the the Cana heresies. I don't know a lot about them because, unfortunately, this part I read so long ago and I decided to skip it, which was stupid for me now when I was reading up. But I really like the Church of Cain's idea that vampires exist for like a divine purpose that we're just part of the hierarchy of of evil in the world and that earth earth is actually hell and the vampires exist to to dominate humans who are there um and i think it's just interesting for me i'm not going to be too long-minded about this because again i don't i didn't read up too much but it's interesting to me to see people adopt this kind of judeo-christian uh view on it but put their own weird twist to it because it's a little close to reality it's a little uncomfortable but it's also interesting because it so clearly uh, puts belief in a higher power into like a perspective. Like, yeah, we believe in Cain. We believe he was the first vampire. We believe that a divine God punished or, or 
lifted cane, depending on how you how you view it, and that um, basically uh, vampires exist to to cause evil, because it's such an antithesis to to the original idea of vampire being like suffering and not trying to do evil. And I think, like, I think they're closely related to the original idea of the Sabbat because I believe there was a lot of infernalists in the Dabat, Sabbat, 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 originally, and that kind of changed in the second edition. Um, and that, like, it's just plain evil, and <laughs> it's um, it's appealed to me uh, because it's also like. Um, it's, it's plain evil. It appeals to me. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly. All right. Well, when, when I put it that way, I guess. So, yeah, I will be. A, I will be an evil storyteller when I run vampire. By the way, like I, I really don't. I think I'm gross when I do that. But it's just like, I, I, I like that there is a whole. Uh, I don't know what you'd call it, like a catechism or like traditions and roles and like formalized religion built on this whole concept the, that always the catechism yeah the catechism thank you that always compelled to me like like someone sat down and made this complex hierarchy and made a system i find that interesting in in faith normal human faith as well that like they built this kind of hierarchical system and they have these very clear rules on how things are done like because usually if you're not part of a religion you're never really aware of how organized everything is, which is a little bit creepy as well when you do realize that. So I guess that would be my favorite, the Church of Cain. Again, not too right up on it, but I'm definitely going to learn more of it. You just have to admit that you're a poor gamer and you want those fire powers. (laughs) I mean, with the Path of Flame no longer being available. (laughs) I'm a target. Yes, fire is good, and I mean, it's also interesting. <laughs> I think was it in your video, uh, Outstar, when you met when you talked about the, was it in your video or was it during the interview with Matthew Dawkins that they were doing? I think it was Dark Days Gaming, or was it Gehenna Gaming? We're doing an interview with him when mm-hmm. they talked about the Bahari being very plant focused, like life and growth, gardens, stuff like that, mm-hmm. uh, feminine power, and then you have the Church of Cain, which is Just fire and damnation. Power. Yeah, yes. masculine power, and how that contrast Patriarchy. there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, I'm obviously not liking it because it's a, a patriarchal religion. I'm not hugely a big fan. I'm not a big fan of that at all, but I like the contrast of it as well. No, I, mean, I, like I the, Yeah, I really like the fact that basically the book gives you two possibilities. You can either go yeah. extremely feministic, like, and yeah, I'm talking yeah. third wave feminism, kill all men, yeah. which is how they're called. They're not Bahari. They're the, the ones uh, that uh, get away from Bahari. Was uh, it the... Um, how do you call it again? Isn't on the Chicago by Night? The... No, 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 no. They're in the cults of the Blood Guts and they... Is it Gorgos? Gorgos, I think. Gorgos, yes, yeah, the yeah. Gorgos. And they are basically just those extremely misandrist uh, um, cult. And then you have the Church of Cain, which is this very much patriarchal one. And yeah, you can yeah. basically pick whatever you want for your personal vampire and roleplay it in any way you want, which is really yeah, fun. Exactly. So, Josh, do you have your favorite or should they go next? <laughs> <laughs> I um, I do like the Bahari uh, as I haven't looked into some of these parts of the law before and at the moment I'm playing a Chicago by Night game which includes the Blood Disco which is a very cool uh, section of Bahari cult and um, so yeah I've been really interested to kind of uh, work in that plant theme and all of the uh, really interesting rituals they have which include feeding from like a whole mile around you and in a creepy tree ritual 
Uh, they're very cool. I, I think my favorite though, uh, mostly because I'd not looked into it before, is the Church of Set and how mm. they are now different from the ministry yeah. and are a, a cult that includes all sorts of mortals and vampires. So um, probably my just pure favorite thing is the the classic secret society vibe they have to them where they're like we will poke holes in society and see what falls out <laughs> and we're gonna we're gonna do horrible things because it's for the best it's for the greater good yeah um, I, I really like um the inclusion of the church of set in the book in the way it is because it actually allows you to play the old school setites and i, I think mm. a lot of people who, who are playing floors of set or ministry nowadays they kind of want to pick them if they knew the setite back in the days and they, they want to play the similar setite as they are used to, right? But then, uh, because there is this uh, division in between ministry and the Church of Set, you can play a setite who is totally not a part of the Church of Set and who is totally this modern ministry rebranded setite. And I actually did roleplay uh, one character like that who... Uh, is right now probably somewhere in Torpor, <laughs> poor girl. <laughs> but basically, my idea when after the the Under the book came out and the ministry was announced, I really wanted to make a character that is going to be this new ministry member. And what I did is I made this uh, girl who was in Japan embraced by her sire, who was this very regular old school follower of set, and she didn't really get this whole religious thing from him. She was like, I, I don't, I don't really understand that. I don't really believe that. This seems to be a big mambo jumbo. So mm -hmm. I am fleeing the country, going to states, and I'm going to pursue my career as a DJ. And she was actually a DJ who um, used the ministry's, uh, you know, compulsion. So basically, she tried to convert other people with. She tried to affect other people with her music. So her main uh, thing was to actually change the mood of the dance floor and watch the people and change their personal behaviors with the show that she was doing. Uh, she was using like some crazy stuff, including the uh, fog machines, which had pheromones added inside. So she wanted to basically do all these things just to affect the dance floor. And um, I think it was an interesting concept, which wouldn't work if she was a follower of set per se, if she was the church of set person, right? Because uh, that wouldn't really stick together. Uh, maybe if she was also a believer, but but she wasn't. And I really like the fact that now you can play a ministry who basically is um, anyone. You don't really have to be religious. You don't have to be believing in anything, but you have this compulsion. You have this bane of yours that actually makes you different from other vampires. And then you can also, of course, pick the church, which makes you a classic satite. <laughs> yeah. Um, I really like that they they brought back the the set aspect as well. I haven't actually, again, um, chapter two of the book is the one that I unfortunately spent the least time on, which is it, it's the most interesting chapter in my opinion. I just didn't have time. But I really like, like if we're taking a step back and looking at all the independent clans, like the followers of Seth, the Giovanni, the, uh, the Ravnos they haven't covered, but uh, the uh, what's the fourth one again? Ba uh, Bano Hakim. Yeah, Bano Hakim. Bano Hakim. Yeah, thank you. Uh, they've really done a lot of legwork uh, to m diversify and make these clans deeper. Because I, I, I was reading the original player's handbook. I think is the first one that introduced these four new clans, and they were so shallow when they were first made. Yeah. Like, not going to go into the discussion about the you know the 
stereotypes, if, if we talk <laughs> about that, but they've actually, uh, they've sat down and they've really thought about like, how do we make these more interesting for a 20 more and universal you, too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, you don't have to be Egyptian snake worshiping person who sells drugs just because you're <laughs> a minister anymore. And honestly, that that's that's relaxing. Like your character is a DJ in America and, and still doing the whole set type thing, just more varied. And it's 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 evolution of the game, if you can yeah. call it that. And I think a lot of people are are you know they don't like that. I, I've seen a lot of people talking about how they're changing stuff that doesn't have to be changed. But if you're bringing in a whole new edition of the game, why not go the whole mile? Like, if you don't like that, you can go back and play V20, uh, revised edition. Um, but now they're 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 thinking things through. They're like, what can we change that makes sense within the lore? And I think it makes sense. Yeah, I like the the whole take on trying to make class more universal. I was actually, because I'm preparing to make a gangrel video finally, because I've been slacking with that. And I was reading the V5 core book part on the gangrel today. And I it's one of the parts of the book which I really like when it comes to archetypes, because it really expands the view on the gangrel when you have not only those beast-like, animal-like gangrels or the nomads, the bikers, but you also yeah. have uh, the storytellers, the ones that, like Beckett, for example, the one who go yeah. around the world gathering stories and spreading them around. And you also have wolves <laughs> of Wall, Wall Street. You have those uh, uh, alpha wolves working in the corporations and uh, controlling people with how dominating in animalistic form they are. And I really love that. On the contrary, I think there are parts of the book which uh, really don't do a lot of uh, good to the clans. For example, Ventru, I believe it's uh, a little bit uh, stereotypical when it comes to the archetypes which Ventru yeah. have in V5 core book. And I would love to see, um, you know, the, maybe other books giving you different perspectives on yeah. Ventru. That's why Anarch core book is, is also interesting because it gives you the chance to make the Anarch Ventru. But yep. the the archetypes in the core book themselves for Ventrue are really boring and they're just the same. So yeah, I would like to see even more universality for when it comes to I, the clans. I, I think that for if you if you want to really get into playing a clan, even in V5, I think it's always a good idea to get one of the clan books from the revised edition. Yeah. Uh they have so much depth to them. Like I know there's the uh, Lore of the Clans book for V20, but it's nowhere near as deep as the original clan books or, or the revised clan books, sorry. Because yeah. I remember I, I did a vid I did two videos on Ventru, and at the end of it, I was like, I didn't even cover all the internal mechanisms of the clan, like yeah. the whole, um, um, what is it called? My uh, There's a meme about it, uh, Ventru Prestige, it's called... Uh, uh, I, I know what you're talking about, the... the, 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 the starting with uh, the... Yeah. Um, dignitas. 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 Yeah. There we go. <laughs> but, but dignitas. <laughs> like, yeah. like that's the whole thing. Like I didn't even talk about that in my two videos because there's so much on Ventru. Um, so especially Ventru, like you were mentioning, is a clan that you can really profit off buying the the clan book as a PDF or something like that because there's a lot more in those books. Um, stay away from the first edition clan book. <laughs> They're not very good. <laughs> So, yeah, coming back to the topic very quickly yeah. of the favorite cult, I just wanted to add some, because my favorite part of Vampire Masquerade, depression, despair, and sadness. Mm -hmm. uh, so I want to add something sad to the, to the whole bunch. Um, one of the most interesting cults for me uh, is the cult of Shalem, the Shalemites. Ooh. 
And mm. uh, something that I really want to uh, like underline, which I don't think was actually mentioned uh, that uh, strong in the book per se, is the fact that a lot of vampires are going through various struggles in their end life. They are losing the humans that they, their family members, you know, they are losing their touchstones, losing their friends, uh, betrayers are happening, you know, all your wonderful relationships, love, whatever you've been through, it's just all over eventually. It won't last for eternity. So you are going through a lot of hardships, suffering. And what is the perfect medicine for that? nothingness, the abyss. And it's such a sad concept that when you have a vampire who literally went through all these hardships and then uh, gets converted to the Shalemite religion, and they are saying that in order to not suffer, you need to get rid of all of your emotions, not only the sad ones, but also yeah. the happy ones. You need to not feel at all. One human is the most that you can have contact with, have a touchstone, like literally just one. And that's enough anchor that you can have to the humanity. But all the rest of that is just you and nothingness. And the ritual of the pit of contemplation, where they're actually sending the believers into the abyss, which is supposed to be their uh, highest, uh, most wonderful thing that they are uh, going through is, is just sad. <laughs> it's so sad, yeah. but I love it's like it. Vampire nihilism. It's, it's, yeah. Uh, yeah. I love that idea. I, I do role play a vampire who went for so much shit <laughs> and so many bad things happened to him that I was literally thinking when I read this book that, okay, if ever a Shalemite would approach him and tell him about this religion, he would be converted in a freaking minute. <laughs> so, so yeah, it's, it's sad, but it's, it's also great. And yeah, about the pit of contemplation and in general, the powers, the book has a lot of super creepy powers. And maybe we should talk a little bit about that, especially, oh especially you, Mr. Fire Mage. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I don't, like I said, the chapter two is a book that uh, is a part of the book that I've mostly uh, haven't studied too closely. So I don't really have much to say on that topic, but I can, uh, I can comment if, if any of you, uh, more read up on it. Wanted to mention something. Do you guys remember any creepy powers from chapter two? Um, I wanted to touch on something. Who was talking about Church of Set? You outstar, no, right? No, yeah. We're both. Yeah, we're both. both. Yeah. Okay. I wanted to say I wanted to talk about the heart of darkness. Um, oh, taking your heart. Yeah, I was trying to. I was trying to think. Like, I, I don't know. It's so. It's such a. It's such a weird concept, but it totally makes sense. And I wish there was more on it because I wanted to read more about it. Like, it's kind of like okay. a Horcrux from Harry it's, Potter. It's like uh, a yeah, I, I think that's an old. Right? Uh, that's an old uh, power from followers of Seth, though. I think. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a, a level five old, discipline. Uh, yeah. law, law thing. It's like a I combination of vicissitude things yeah. as well. And there's like oh, there's all sorts of vampires that try and remove their heart or do, do something <laughs> yeah. weird to it, right? I but, was reading it. I'm just like, this seems like could go really wrong really fast. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah, this version specifically, when it says it also removes your emotions, like detached, I think that's new for it. But yeah. I know even in... Um, vampire redemption you have the leader of the satites you kill her but you can't destroy her because yes. she's hidden her heart somewhere 
I hate it because you have to go uh, in and out of the freaking yeah, yeah. Sedite's dungeon, and there's just one time when it teleports you to her, but you have to like go through this whole empty dungeon three times, I think. Yeah. It's horrible. <laughs> again, <laughs> again, that hasn't that. aged too well. Uh, it's, it's a minor thing, but it's like the only time, one of the few times that you diabolize and actually do that, like gain power from it, I think, if, if you drink the blood from her heart. There's a choice. Yeah, you can drink yeah. the blood from her heart, and you lose humanity, but you gain a lot of powers it's kind of funny because even if you don't drink the blood from your from her heart you still get serpentis discipline for some reason i don't know how it happens but you get it <laughs> but yeah it's because christoph is uh, is overpowered yeah but serites have super creepy powers in the book for example the i think it was called mental maze oh, yes God, yeah. the oh, obfuscate no. one right yeah it's basically when you are in a room they can affect your brain or affect the environment. I'm not really sure which one is affected more with this. Yeah, I think I think it's a brain thing. It's a, it would just, have to be, wouldn't it's it? Illusion. Yeah, yeah. It, it could be an illusion around you, or it could be just you. I, I think it's obfuscate with the amalgam of dominate, right? Yes, yes it is. So it actually affects your brain. So you do not know how to get out. Even if there are doors in front of you, you wouldn't know that these doors lead outside. You would be absolutely sure, motorcycles, sorry. Uh, you would be absolutely sure that these doors are leading you deeper into the maze. So you can literally trap people inside their own houses and they wouldn't be able to get out. So yeah, that's really creepy. And there was another one. There's a presence one that the uh, Church of Sad also has in it. True Love Space. True Love Space. horrifying. Isn't it? It is. It is kind of, you don't kind of, even have to know who this person fancies to like take on the face, or I guess to oh. them that you come up to them. <laughs> is this and, a satire? Like power? imagine yeah. your crush coming up to you and be like, "I want to drink your blood," and you're like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> That's really messed up. It's some really, really messed up. And now I, I love yeah. to basically just uh, destroy everyone's brains. But imagine a campaign in which a Sedite uses true love's face to get advantage of someone, and that someone still sees that Sedite. I could totally see that happening. I know. It's so cool. uh, it would be it would be uh, mind twisty. Yeah. Oh dear. I. I Love and hate these powers. For example, the Bahari power uh, that Jersh yeah. mentioned before. Uh, <laughs> the power that you can literally use next to the kindergarten. And oh, you yeah. will magically get all the blood from all the kids inside. It's... Yeah. No. Just... No. <laughs> just... Just... You need to be in a park doing a ritual to suck blood from the area between, like, a pound, a kindergarten, and... Yeah. Uh, I I don't know a school. Uh, I don't I don't know how you could do that ritual, but still be in an area of people, and then no one would you know I don't know call the cops or something. <laughs> I mean I don't know how that works. Imagine though role playing a Bahari uh, who is kind of like a Robin Hoodie type of a Bahari, and she only does that around some uh, conventions for businessmen, <laughs> and you know like oh yeah like, I can like, see like that. Street uh, Comic Con. Yeah, she goes to Wall Street, she finds this one tree, she brings a corpse there at night, and, and she does the ritual. Right. What was the city where the Bahari are so highly concentrated? Budapest. Budapest, Budapest. Yeah. yeah, that's the one, yeah. Apparently everyone's suffering from anemia there right now. Right, yeah. Can't imagine why. Yeah. Oh my god. It, yeah, there's so many powers, and that's just in this chapter, is even more later on. It's like Yeah, I, I, I was okay, I wanted to touch on what um, the 
Church of Cain too. Um, mm. When I was reading that, I think the most, it didn't surprise me that there was some sort of schism in the, you know, vampiric Catholic, you know, religion it didn't surprise me, but um, the fire walking surprised me that they are supposed to overcome the Rotschreck to, to do that was very surprising. And uh I don't know. I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't know. You'd have to really be, I, that really has to attract zealotry and yeah. zealous believers. That's also really funny that they have that. Cause that's also like an old tradition of the Sabbat. Like it's, they do that. They have right. fire, fire junk right. parties. So it's like, they're so similar. Like you were saying outside, yeah. just like, no, no, we're not the same. We're yeah. not the same. Uh, but yeah, I, I really, for some reason, I find this obsession with fire very interesting. Especially that, that ability where you can literally cover your hands in blood yeah. and oh, then, yeah. then they go on fire and you can hack people. It's great. Oh, wow. <laughs> I love yeah. the imagery of that. Just someone with their arms on fire running around. <laughs> Perfect. Mm. So you yeah, guys, um, and I high think five should... people. <laughs> yeah. I think we should the, uh, well, we missed one. Um, the um, Cult of Mythros. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yes. I am... I mean, to be honest, I, as much as I am very much uh, impressed by the lore of Cult of Mithras, and it is very deep and goes very long into the history of Kindred, it is a little bit too universal for me to be interesting. Yeah. Because Same. Cult of Mithras is a cult in which everyone can find someone for themselves, really. Because Mithras can represent a lot of the features that, for example, different clan members may find yeah. interesting. So for me, it's a little bit too universal to be interesting. It's like just a god, you know? A lot of people are living gods yeah, for yeah. a lot of reasons. So I think, yeah, its connection to Ventru also seems to um, kind of go with the stereotype of how you should play Ventru. Yeah. So uh, as someone who is interested in Ventru recently, I, I'm kind of like thinking about making a Ventru character. I just, I'm not really into it. I, that's just my thing. That was my least favorite to read about. Yeah. Frank. <laughs> All right. Um, I actually like the, both the Sons and Daughters of Helena and the Menelaeans because um, yeah. I'm, I'm an old uh, fan of Chicago by Night. So it's interesting that you have the Menelaeans, which is an actual cult, but they're kind of collapsing because, surprise, they were ruled through blood bonding. And then you have Helena, uh, which is not at all related to Helena, <laughs> just using her name. She, she doesn't care. Um, <laughs> so it's, uh, I think it's interesting. Like Methuselah worship is probably one of my most favorite aspects of, of, uh, of cults in general, because I think it's, it makes sense. Like, yeah, this person is extremely powerful and they want us to worship them as well. So yeah, yeah they're kind of godlike. I can get in on that. Um, Legit, I really want to know what's happened to Manele. Manele, is that how you pronounce yeah, it? Uh, yeah, I think so. yeah. Because I know he went off to the Gehenna Wars, but that's all I know about him. Like, and he, it was his big uh, player in Chicago politics. Not he was most ago. probably snorted by one of the Finnbloods uh, from the Ashwinders. <laughs> yeah. Are millennials killing Methuselahs? Yeah. <laughs> More at seven. Yeah. So uh, before we'll go to other chapters of the book, I need to ask you guys this. Uh, if you were, because the book actually gives you the opportunity to make your own cult. And there's yeah. a whole chapter on cult making and uh, cult crafting. Yeah. So yeah. if you guys were to craft your own cult in the world of darkness, do you have an idea what that cult would be? Oh, yeah. Priyajan, go. Yeah, I always, I, I'm so, I think I mentioned this last time. I'm really fond of like implementing recent additions to our, our culture as humans uh, into vampires. And I really like having vampire influencers like like Hope, for example, in uh, in um, Coterie's by Night is a great character. And I would just love to have like a, 
because apparently there's this really dark side of YouTube where people are doing blood magic. Like I read about that not too long ago, people dripping blood on paper and stuff. What? Really? And that's, that's huge. And, and it's underground. Nobody knows who's doing it. And, it, and, it, <laughs> and it, it's like, it's supposed to be some kind of weird magic thing. Like it's super disorganized. And I'm just, this is ripe for having like this four, generation 13 or 14 vampire sitting at their computer like hey, i'm making my own cult and it, <laughs> i what? like it, it gives me minecraft it. videos <laughs> I, I want youtube blood magic and i always see minecraft yeah. oh in minecraft this this, like this point, yeah, yeah there would be a vampire playing minecraft like i'm gonna recreate the temple of mithras <laughs> i think i think youtube and instagram stuff like that has a really huge impact on our culture today so if i were to design a cult it would definitely be like some kind of influencer live streamer you know jenna marbles that kind of character but as a vampire building this cult of worship around them would you agree that the biggest influencers out there the instagram chicks you know or some big youtubers can actually be considered cult leaders yes i, I yeah i would say i would say so yeah. I, I think the vast majority of their fans are probably not on a cult level but there's always going to be this small very 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 loyal group of fans then you have these youtubers for example who uh are often you know attacking other youtubers and oh, yeah. you have this huge swarm of followers swarming their social media immediately it's in scary like, in, in like it's huge, scary huge yeah, it's the us versus yeah. them kind of yeah, that's uh, kind of like cool actually philosophy. if you think yeah. about There's, it yeah it, it, it is it is cool and cultish and disturbing but i think that so many YouTubers are so genuine, even if they're not actually genuine, like they're genuine on camera, they, they come across as being almost perfect, you know, because they cut away all the mistakes they make in their editing and they, they're always presenting this positive side of themselves. So obviously they become a role model, like how sports people sports people uh became romans in the past athletes thank you <laughs> sports people um like they would be role models in the past but now you have this intimate connection it's just you in front of your computer watching someone that you look up to and that's a little bit dangerous yeah. um you can get very attached to someone you've never met in your real life and you have no idea who this person is in real life yeah, I, when I was younger, I would watch a lot of YouTubers and influencers. And for example, when I would watch people play Vampire in the Masquerade, yeah. I would feel like, oh, wow, I would be such a good friend with that person because they seem to have the same, uh, you know, uh, reactions as I did to the game. And I was immediately imagining them as this extremely relatable people, which can be a trap. Because after you yes. get through this, uh, you know, uh, YouTube image, then these people may be totally different and may not be as cool in real life as they are. So, yeah. Yeah. And it's like a lot of the people I used to watch as well, I've found posts about them, like compiling all the weird shit they've done. And I'm like, this really, it hurts me because, because you can't help but relate to them. It's not like they have my interests. They're nice. Um it's it's scary, and I think th this is a perfect breeding ground for a vampire cult. <laughs> Just yeah. say it. Um, yeah, I would have to agree with that. Josh, do you have an idea what your cult would be if you would make I'm one? Actually, working on this right now for an upcoming your own cult. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm. Yeah. I'm uh, have you not subscribed to Strange Adventures? Yet? <laughs> oh yeah, of course. As soon as I saw you, I did. <laughs> right, exactly. So uh, you're already inducted into the first mystery, uh, but there's. Uh, an upcoming campaign and I'm working on a character that I, I think would be really cool to build a cult with and it's uh, it's based on um, old 
uh, oh God, what's uh, pagan um, and neo-pagan beliefs kind of melding into modern day uh, aspects of life. And it's all about sharing stories and teaching people to share their stories so that uh, the people kind of, that, that would be attracted to join the cult are those that have um, less of a uh, easily um, commun like people that ha generally have communication problems like I seem to yeah, be having yeah. right now where I'm umming, <laughs> umming and erring. And uh, then they gradually learn the stories of the cull and we uh, kind of teach them and they get in. Oh, like there's a slightly magical aspect to it at yeah. higher levels, but like there's um, sharing stories that control uh, control the narrative of, of what is going on in the city. And the people that hear these stories, uh, you have to craft them in such a way that people are like, oh, did it actually go down in that way? Or you kind of obfuscate like the things you don't want people to hear. Oh. It's a cult of gossipers, kind of. Yeah, yeah, like a That's like cool. a, a gossip, and it's um, it's based on a character that I will be playing, who is a a massive old school um, oral storyteller. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. That's uh, that's really interesting. I immediately started thinking about one of the themes of the old classic Metal Gear Solid Two. Uh, I don't know. Have you played it? I played uh, played the first one right. only because the second game is it's about digital truth. It's a lot about like uh, putting in little filters on the internet where slowly the narrative is being altered. Like it's extremely relevant today. Yeah, but I, I, I like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it was way ahead of its time, but it reminds me of that, like yeah. subtle changing of the narrative and like storytelling and how we have these campfire communities, except there's no fire. There's the same thing. So that sounds like, yeah, I mean, cult. all my cult would need to do now is take out a Facebook ad, but like, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with, uh, it's going to make it slightly more involved. That's what I'm really looking forward to seeing how that ends up yeah, yeah. working, but yeah. Howdy, you what's gonna... your cult then? <laughs> what's my cult? I haven't really considered uh, what type of cult I would make, but ever it would be, would probably have a lot of blood bonding in it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Whatever it is. The, the old school way. Yeah, so, pretty so much. So basically you shouldn't just make a cult, you should just go the way of Karna. Was it Karna in the lore sheets that uh, oh God, made yeah. us think when you are having sex with someone? Karna creeps on you when you're having yeah. sex, yeah. Yeah, yeah. really? <laughs> Karna's yeah. like, hey, what you doing? Yeah, it's so weird. You get blood bonded to her too. It's so yes. weird. So not only what? you are, no, it's, it's kind of weird because oh. you have sex with someone and you get mutually blood bonded by what just having sex. What you did? And then you both get blood bonded to Karna as well and she gets blood bonded to you. Sure, so, I'll, so I'll, have, I'll have a, a sexy blood bonded sex cult. Yeah, that'll That's, be yeah, that's but Karna, Karna's weird. Yeah. <laughs> What's the really. point in having a cult if you can't have a few orgies? Exactly. That's true. That's true. What an excellent point. Well, my cult, uh, <laughs> it's something that I would love to do once, um, would be a cult of the La Sombra Antediluvian who uh, went down in the sea, right? He, there was this whole story yeah. where he actually yeah. walked down to the bottom of the ocean and he found something there. No one knows what, but every time he emerged up, he was different. 
So right. uh, the cult will be a compilation of the La Sombrage cult of the Abyss with the Call of Cthulhu. <laughs> so you would uh, basically oh, wow. yeah. have this whole wonderful thing where the cultists would literally walk to the bottom of the ocean to um, sacrifice themselves to the, to the Elder God. Some of them would be eaten, but uh, the other ones would emerge more powerful. So that would That's be awesome. the main thing of the cult. I love That's really, Cthulhu, really cool. So. I love it. Yeah. I always like the Elder God vibes that oh, yeah. Sombra put out. Yeah. So, I mean, I uh, one of my favorite Lovecraft stories is the Shadow over Innsmouth. Is that the one where yeah. you have the fish mm-hmm. people? Yeah. Yes, Dagmouth. Yeah. yeah. Even though it's very, very, very racist by the original. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Lovecraft is super yeah. racist. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Lovecraft is problematic a bit, but then again, yeah. I, I feel a lot of people were back then. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's it's a good story if you just take it at face value. Well, whenever you feel like uh, you don't know what to think about Lovecraft, just think that this poor guy was taking his girlfriends to the dates on the graveyard. And yeah, yeah it, you he know. had a really overbearing mother too, didn't he? Yeah, I think, he I think they both. Problems. I think both his mom and dad died in a in a mental institute. Um, oh. same place. Yeah, he had a really troubled life. Okay. And also, remember that he, as much as I am a huge fan of uh, his lore, he was not the best writer. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> no, 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 no. I like all the, the parts that are like the dark and scary room was dark and, and scary. scary. <laughs> I, I think I think Lovecraft should be honored and remembered for the fact that he created his mythos so that other people could make better. So. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Everyone else is doing. Uh, wow, so look at this donkey. Other guy has been dead for a hundred yeah. years. Um, but uh, something I wanted to bring up about this whole cult creation chapter because I, I guess we're on that chapter. Just mentioning it there are some examples uh close to the end of it that i really like like basic cult descriptions a teenage cult they talk a big game about sacrificing animals to satan but honestly they love their cats too much their leader is very disappointed <laughs> such, a, <laughs> such a great description what what part's that in I that is i don't think i read any examples it's actually. in uh, chapter five cult construction and it's right after oh, all the long right, list okay. of like names because uh, yes. they have like a Ravana cult, uh, its members practice strange uses of presses and obfuscate, like really serious ones. And then they have a cult of vampire Greason based on the writings of Dr. Netshirt. Well, I guess that one's a UFO cult that believes the antediluvians were beings from another planet <laughs> yeah, of a higher dimension. One. I it's love this so one. Uh, a cult of former sun worshippers who miss dearly the light they once loved so much. They work to recreate their precious sun-soaked days with the white linen outfits, bright lights, and sandals. <laughs> <laughs> Walking around in sandals. I love it. I would join that cult. That's I a would cult I would too. join. Isn't a vampire without socks a masquerade violation? Ooh. Absolutely. Surely. It is. Yeah. Like, I, I personally belong to the school of wearing tasteful socks and sandals. So don't judge me. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> a wild hedonistic mystery cult of blood dolls and ghouls who dance themselves into unconsciousness yeah. so the regnants can feed on them. There are some really good ideas in there. Just like one sentence uh, cults that you can just throw into your game. Um, I, yeah, I I like the um, Tremere ones who are just like, Thaumaturgy is a real person. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and they yeah. have feelings. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. They must feel really bad about V5 then, considering how nerfed Thaumaturgy got. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Like, oh, that's true. Yeah. Got all your different parts to cut yeah. off. Oh. Yeah, anyway, guys. It was overpowered. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I think we should move forward to one of the, I think, also very interesting parts of the book, the Mortal Cults. And talk oh, a yeah. bit about them. 
so I think I can start with saying that I absolutely love the parts about the superhero cult around this one <laughs> yes. vampire. How was it called again? Let me just... Uh... Um, Leah something, right? Uh... Uh, yeah, Leah Circle. Okay. Oh, yeah. So basically, <laughs> what this cult is, guys, for those of you who haven't read the book, is that Leah is a vampire. She was embraced, but she wasn't really... She The typical case of Sire left her very early and yeah. didn't tell her anything. So she had to realize herself that she is a vampire, she needs to drink blood, she, um, you know, cannot go out in the sun, etc., etc. She doesn't know anything about clans, sects, the world of darkness. All of the knowledge in the book is absolutely alien to her. So what Leah is doing is she's telling her best friends in high school or college or whatever, I'm not really sure yeah. how old she is, about <laughs> the fact that she is a vampire. She, she's also a disgust girl. It's a typical teenage superhero drama. And she's telling her friends that she is a vampire and maybe we can, we can do something with it. We can do some good. We can actually capture criminals or something. And she started to experiment by giving her blood to her friends, not knowing that it causes the blood bonds. But what it caused is basically this cult around her. She's not aware of the fact that the reason why every one of her friends is agreeing with her so, so much is because they're blood bound to her. And she is uh, targeting the um, criminals and bad people and getting rid of them. And her wonderful followers are helping her in hiding the corpses. So what I love about Leah's circle, and I think something that is not mentioned in the book itself, is how great it would be to use it as a storytelling perspective for new players who have never played Vampire the Masquerade. Oh, yeah. yeah, I agree. And yes. who, are not, yeah. who haven't read any of the books. And you basically introduce them by this, you know, your friend, Leah, yeah, is telling yeah. that she's a vampire. And yeah, you're doing all of these things uh, around the subject and you are learning about the world of darkness through the eyes of Leah and her followers. Yeah. That'd be so yeah. cool. The mortal cults in general, it's just this whole chapter is so inspiring for just you can set a whole chronicle yeah. based on these. They're very unique and interesting. And I th I, the Leah one is is really cool. Uh, my personal favorite is either the Church of Means or the Dread Cult of Eligos. Yeah. Um, is someone going to talk about either of those? Because otherwise, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about the Church of the the Dread Cult of Eligos. Which Go is, for it. It is such an interesting cult because it was started as an experiment at the Second Inquisition yeah. to see how well they could like without any kind of empiric influence. They're just hinting at this old vampire called Eligos, who was like, he, he, he was part of all the big events in history. He helped uh, Vlad III in, in his war against the Turks and like all these things, but he doesn't exist. But they are recruiting young men between 18 to 25, I believe. Like, you know, uh, I, I guess they would be like incels or stuff like that. People who are very frustrated and angry and looking for a purpose in their life. They're being recruited to join this cult. And it's extremely effective. And some of the agents who worked in us like, this is highly immoral. We should not be doing this. And the up, higher ups are like, no, no, it's fine. It's fine. Just let's just see how far we can take it. And they've been sending people doing these meaningless tasks, like deliver this parcel from one end of the town to another. It has no reason to do that, but they do it anyway. And eventually they actually start sending people on real missions, like killing ghouls or stuff like that. Like they have a lot of like kill these, kill this person or attack this person, but they do it in a very contained environment. 
so to prevent as much mortal loss as possible. But now they're actually using them against vampires. And it's gotten to the point that the person who invented the idea, I think her name is Amy Montague, she, she's, she's loving it. Like yeah. she, she, she thinks she's this vampire called uh, Jezebeth. Yes. <laughs> Jezebeth. Yeah, she loves it. Like she, she can't stop doing it. And she's worried she that they hire up. Right? Yeah. yeah, she dresses <laughs> up and she loves the whole thing. And then you have Jaden Michaels, who's like, who's a psychologist who's in charge of it. And he's like, he, he, he was the one who said, this might be a bad thing. And they just kind of, promoted him to a desk job like we don't need you anymore it's fine and also they've gotten emails from an unknown sender saying uh, mentioning the masquerade like you should not be doing this so they think they might have actually fooled the local camarilla (laughs) into thinking that this eligos is actually a real vampire yeah camarilla tries to find this mysterious eligos because he's apparently so powerful like is he a mephuselah is he an elder yeah exactly he's so powerful that he doesn't even have to care about the masquerade they're worried that he's going to expose them yeah Yeah. and they're they're worried because they're getting bounce back emails from eligos at shreknet vtm or whatever yeah, yeah. Just Eligos. and it's just such a beautiful uh idea and i you could base the whole chronicle around this uh it's definitely one of my favorites i like uh, the church of means as well but that's that's the one i'm gonna i'm gonna talk about sell for the rest of you so harry and josh do you have your favorites uh, mortal cool that we haven't covered that we haven't covered no i do i did l- sort of like the order of the Broken Order of the Broken, broken Branch. Branch, thank yeah. you. The Student Hunters, I think they were. Yeah. That was that was interesting, but Leah's Circle is my favorite, followed very closely by the Dread Circle of others. Josh, do you want to add something on the on the on the um, human cults? This is a section I didn't read as much, unfortunately, but uh, I, I kind of skimmed it and I, I do like the, the church of means and just like being rich is a superpower. It's proper cool. <laughs> yeah. So I guess be rich. <laughs> I love basing a kindred cult around a pyramid scheme, basically. And yeah. instead of essential oils, you just have this you know, kindred <laughs> on the very top of it. Who's like, you know, give us your 10 bucks and we're going to make it into 100 bucks in a week. If we're not going to do that, then you're going to get all your money back. So it is very simple way of getting people in. And uh, I like the no no bullshit type of uh, PR they have in the leaflets too. Like, it's it's just basically, you know, we are here all to get richer and you want to get richer as well. So just give us money and we're going to make it bigger. If we're not, we're going to give you back your money. You know, all of this Wolf of Wall Street stuff, which I absolutely love. It's it's beautiful. It's great. And I I, I love that the reason it was created is because you have this. That's actually something I want to ask Matthew if I ever get the chance, because the founder of this cult, uh, is only generation 11 because um, it was founded basically by a really young vampire he's like 50 years old but his sire was really old and powerful and then the sire went off for the Gehenna Wars leaving this vampire with all the resources so he's uh, he's potent enough that people notice him but he's weak enough that they might try to take him out so that's why the, the cult of means was started or the church of means for him to build up a capital and enough followers that he's not going to be messed with, which I think is just a brilliant thing. Like it reminds me a bit about Rafael de Corazon, who was, you know, one of the founders of the Camarilla. Like he's the child of, I don't remember her name, the Prince of San Jose or 
when something anyway he he was really young but from a very like a high generation so everyone just messed with him because he was you know he couldn't do anything back but he was high enough generation that they couldn't off him um and i think it makes perfect sense like oh shit i'm surrounded by bigger sharks what do i do to survive now it's pretty uh, cool I, I love actually how the chat is saying that church of memes should be a famous <laughs> yeah, yeah. and, and that is basically Cantramere. I agree. That's yeah. Church of Memes <laughs> is basically Cantramere. <laughs> sure, Elder. <laughs> okay, boomer. Okay, okay, Elder. What, what, what was it? Uh, uh, indeed, Elder. That's the, indeed, that's elder. the vampire, vampire equivalent of it. Oh, <laughs> uh, we haven't covered the House of Anteros, which I think is also like an interesting oh, yeah. idea for uh, that Mortal one. Is Cult. so creepy, though. It is creepy, but in general, I think it's a very good layout for possible yeah. vampire cults that you can make and uh, out of the existing cults, actually. Like yeah. imagine Johnstown or whatever stuff like yeah. that. You have this vampire who has some kind of a beautiful idea about the world or two vampires in this particular um, example. Yeah. Love is great. The only <laughs> thing that matters in the world is love. And we are going to teach you the meaning of true love. And they are. And they are just basically love bombing these poor mortals and yeah. uh, giving them all the sense of belonging, the sense of finally having a reason to live. And uh, in the very end, they're just, it's just a way for them to take blood and to have uh, their own beautiful herd around themselves, which is also very well playing with the predator type, Os Osiris, right? Oh, the Osiris, yeah. Yeah, the, the Osiris, which is the predator type which takes from worshippers. But this worshipper thing can be interpreted in many things. You can be an influencer and you can feed from your followers. You can be a very oh, reputable person in some kind of... A, field and people look at you like you are a very big authority you're like a, like a god for them uh, or you can also treat it in a very uh, explicit way that you are a god or you are a person who is a messiah and you have the message that you are going to teach those people but for the exchange yeah. of blood of course so that's a good way to, to get blood, you know, it's a good yeah, way to survive. Yeah. But I, I think it's just so close to all those really weird, you know, uh, drink the purple Kool-Aid cults from the 70s. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, it is. I, I, I found it. Ex whoop, that was my chocolate. Don't die. Yeah. Um, I think it's just too real. Uh, and it really unnerved me reading about their cults. Mm. It's like Elron Hubbard says: you don't get rich being a sci-fi author; you get rich by being a cult. Yeah, that's a, that's in the book. They yeah, have that I, I think that's there. probably why I thought of it. Yeah, yeah. it's terrifying. <laughs> I loved reading that. Some of the quotes in this is just really disturbing. Like the first quote of the mortal cults is like: "As a boy, you burned ants with a magnifying glass and stomped on snails. Yes, this is how you should now think of the kind. They are pests, curiosities, and distractions. Like that's uh, that's mean." Yeah, that's mean. Mm -hmm. That's very disturbing. Uh, there's a lot of great quotes in this. Uh, that's true. Already. Okay, guys. So as we have about half an hour to go, I think it's a perfect oh. time to move to the the meat of the subject. The cult and, of death. Uh, yes, the clan <laughs> of death, the clan of Kata. Oh, my God. The new introduction uh, to, I mean, new introduction. It's not really a new introduction yeah. to the World of Darkness, but to the V5 system. We finally have uh, the opportunity to play necromancers uh, with the clan Hekara. So, uh, Josh, you did a wonderful video on clan Hekara. Maybe you can tell people what Hekata are in general. Well, they are a clan in a, a weird sense and a very exciting uh, 
kind of make your own decision sense where the old clans, the Lamia, the Samdi, the Cappadocians, the Giovanni, all of these necromancer clans have grouped together because of a, a whole swathe of difficulties, trying to continue to be independent from the uh, Camarilla or the Anarchs or the Sabbat uh, is difficult in uh, modern law because there are so many threats. And especially as the Giovanni promised the Camarilla they wouldn't mess with their stuff um, yeah. and the Camarilla wouldn't mess with them, uh, <laughs> that promise is coming to an end now. Yeah. There's also the fact that Augustus Giovanni had lots of uh, ghosts and un undead things under his control and captured. Now that he's dead, they're all out there doing horrible things to necromancers that uh, despite all of this animosity between various clans trying to murder each other, they've all come together to uh, become one big happy family. Yeah. Clearly, emphasis obviously. On happy. Emphasis yeah. on happy. <laughs> well, the fun thing is that they're, they're like, if we don't do this, we will die. All the elders are, are off or dead or somewhere. We're, we're in big trouble, so we've got to stay together. But yeah. also remember that we hate these people. <laughs> and if you want to do something against them, we're not going to stop you. Uh, but there was one wonderful um, uh, section of the book that was like, the, the her cast are uh, pretty open about having tried to heal these wounds. But if there's one specific person that you really hate and want to get rid of, that's cool. But as long as you do it yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Which, it's great. It's um, and as long as you're not, yeah. yeah, everyone loves each other as long as you're not fucking putanesca. <laughs> right, exactly. There's, uh, yeah, it's a huge swathe of new law and, and rules and information. Um, and, I kind of want everyone's take on the the cult itself because it's kind of formed around uh, several different uh, tenants of trying to become this family and building a new clan and that um, somehow affected the blood. And also the Capuchin is there, which is a character, right? There's so many mysteries he around is that so I weird. understand. Uh, yeah, he's so weird. But yeah, like, well, what's everyone's take on this new cult slash clan? Javi, maybe you want to start. Uh, I don't have a take. This is probably where I had ran out of time. So I really skimmed this part. So I don't have a take. I do like that the Samedi or how Samedi, I don't know. I've only, I don't know how you say it. How do you I say that? Samedi. Uh, I'm not Samedi, because it's Samedi. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That they're not like, they're not super rotty flesh guys anymore, right? Mm. That's, that's, don't, the thing. they don't have to be. They can be, but. And then the Nag Nagaraja. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. The Nagaraja. They don't have to eat flesh anymore. Mm. Yeah, they <laughs> but they can. Yeah, I would love to hear your guys explain that to me. So basically, <laughs> I, I love it, and I there are some parts of it that I dislike. But mm -hmm. in general, um, what I really like about this is that it does give you a lot of abilities to craft your own characters within the clans. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It is not fully explained, of, of course, why suddenly the curse of Clan Hecata is the same for all of these, uh, you know, different bloodlines, which were completely different back in the days, had different curses. Mm -hmm. yeah. And somehow Giovanni's curse won the, the whole thing, right? The, the Lamia's yeah. kiss. Yeah, um, it's not even the original one either. Like there was a different curse for the. Sorry, sorry. The, the painful bite though was it? It was it was Giovanni's, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. It was. But, but but before with the Cappadocians, I think they had a different curse, right? 
Cappadocians were basically had this deathly parallel to them. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, they yeah. smelled and looked like death. Yeah, yeah. Right? yeah. So, so Giovanni's uh, one, which I think is very uh, fitting, because uh, yeah. if all uh, of them would be just like Nosferatu, you know, just would smell of yeah. death, then yeah. it would be a little bit the same as Nosferatu, <laughs> but also worse, because Nosferatu can right now pass in the mortal society, because they're just very ugly. And if you smell of death, I guess you wouldn't really pass no, as a repulsive no. person. That's that's different. So Painful Bite um, does give you a lot of more opportunities to roleplay within the human society and also gives you the opportunity to have the new predator types, which the book is introducing, like the extortionist, right? Yeah. So yeah. you... Um, coerce people to bloodlet, to, to let the blood out, and uh, you drink this way, which is very weird and interesting, too. But when it comes to the bloodlines themselves, um, I feel like uh, it's wonderful that we get this chance to have so many of them and finally, you know, be able to play Cappadocians or Harbringers nowadays, yeah. or Harbringers of schools, which are also brought under the Harbringers, um, Samadhi, Nagaraja, Lamie. Uh, it's wonderful, but... One thing I don't like about it is how many of them, when it comes to the lore sheets and the powers that you can unlock with the lore sheets, are so much focused on inner war within the clan Hekara. So mm. most of the dots for Nagaraja, I think, is just, uh, you know, uh, who they hated again? Uh, um, not, not Giovanni Cappadocians? No. Yeah. Uh, or just, just clan Hekara? Uh, I need to I need to check it out. But yeah, basically, I, yeah. most of the dots for Nagaraja are around the murder part. So basically, you are either solving murders or you have additional dots, uh, additional dices for planning yeah. the murder um, or against other clans. In general, most of these uh, um, harbingers as well. I think um, they also have this hatred against uh, all the other Hegata members. So uh, a lot of these uh, dots are just basically focused on the inner Hegata conflict which is something that I don't think is going to be very universal for most of the campaigns, because you're not going to have as right. many Hekata characters. If you have a uh, Cults of the Blood Gats campaign, which is like uh, a part of the book, which is focused on the Hekata, then sure, it's going to work. But in most campaigns, you just want to play Hekata alongside Bruja, Toreators, and others. Yeah. So right. these dots are going to be useless. And... Uh, yeah, I think that's, that's the, the biggest missed opportunity here that I see. All the rest I like. I like the fact that Nagaracha don't have to eat flesh, but can. Um, I like the fact that uh, somebody don't have to look like death. Um, I like the fact that uh, Giovanni don't have to be incestual maniacs. You know, it's it's just things that, that make them all more universal. But yeah, this one thing about the inner conflict dots is what I don't like. Something I, I did skim through is I love how customizable everything is. Yeah. Can interchange things. That's really appealed to me. But you are absolutely correct. If you're playing outside of a Cult of the Blood Gods game, that doesn't leave a whole lot of extra opportunity for your Hekata character. That's something mean, I didn't consider. On the other very, hand, a lot of lore sheets are not very universal too. Like Very specific ones. Yeah. yeah. For example, let's take the one of the ones that I have to fight the most in my campaign on Discord. Everyone wants to be Janet's favorite. You know, every single person wants to have Janet Vorman in, oh, their, yeah, yeah. in their sheets. Yeah. And it's it's like there's no Janet in this campaign. So why no, are you no. spending that on that? Yeah, it's it's like having the um, what's the site the, the black the black side of uh chicago by night oh, there's like a lore shift for black that side one 24 yeah. yeah yeah if you don't have any second inquisition in your game that's also going to be more or less useless i guess yeah 
I guess if you, if you create a campaign, uh, you can always take the lore sheets and be like, okay, I'm going to put this in my game. Like, I think lore sheets being discussed with the storyteller is super yeah. important. Because if you don't, then yeah, you're literally putting points in something that's never going to be relevant. So mm. I, th I think like all of the V5 so far, with the inclusion of lore sheets, puts a very big emphasis on talking to the storyteller yeah. and uh, having all these grounds uh, before the campaign. So I guess it, it's kind of spoilery sometimes to tell the players what the campaign is going to convey fully. Yeah. But uh, I think it's it's important to um, have the session zero during which you create your characters and during which you can actually talk about uh, the possible lore sheets. Because if I am not going to talk to my storyteller before making before doing the campaign and I have to make my character on my own, I wouldn't buy yeah. any lore sheets at this point. Yeah, yeah like, exactly. Literally none. No, it, it's it's a gamble yeah. for sure. Like and and like you said, it puts a strain on the storyteller if you don't have the session zero because then. If if I have a player coming in with a lore sheet that they want to use, I'm, I'll be like, okay, I'll try to work that into the campaign somewhat because you know I don't want them to waste their points. Yeah. Uh, so it is, is a double edged sword. But I think, like you said, session zeros are super important. They're always important. Uh, and like the the campaign that I'm going to be storytelling, the mini chronicle, uh, I sent out the consent sheet like to all the players, be like, okay, what are you okay with having in the game? Um, talked a little bit like uh, Josh your character has uh, I'm not going to spoil but you have one of the uh, I have a lore sheet yeah you have a lore sheet to, uh, an elder an elder exactly and that's that's definitely going to pop up because we we made our characters before I started writing the, the game thankfully yeah. making a chronicle that's only going to be three episodes long gives me a lot of power to make it very like mm, big have, decisions yeah. yeah big decisions uh, so that might be a thing that I was going to start doing. But I'm going to talk about uh, Hikata, sorry. Um, I really, really like the changes they've made. Giovanni was never a very interesting clan to me. Uh, oh, come on. <laughs> I, I never liked them a lot. Uh, I, I felt like they were always a little bit weird to get into the campaign. Um, I felt like even back then, it was probably easier to make a Giovanni-only chronicle rather than try to work them into the game because they're not... Camarilla, and they always have the family's interest at hand. It's difficult to work that into a campaign. So you say you don't like to mingle with your cousin? <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I'm not. I'm not super into that. Um, I know for shame. Someone, uh, someone had to find their own date to prom. Actually, yeah. I want to. I want to talk about one thing. Yeah, Book sure. has this quote that yes. kind of made me. I'm not sure what to think about it because there's a quote saying that uh, Giovanni is the only clan in which motherfucker isn't an insult. It's not an insult. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I have to say works. that for a person who has no idea about Vampire the Masquerade and 5th edition is their first edition, which is going to be a thing because a lot of people are going into Vampire the Masquerade starting from this book. Yeah. And Clothes of the Blood Gas is a supplement that they're getting, and they're going to get to that page, read that quote, with no explanation whatsoever in the whole book. It doesn't come up again. Never. No, no. That was my question. They don't yeah. talk about the Giovanni incestuous no, history? Never. Very little, never. very little. Like oh. it's, it's hinted like, at. It's hinted at, but if you don't know about yeah, it, you you're oh. going to have to go with like, oh, Figure so it. it's like the old stereotype. Of so what is this quote monsters? about? Like I'm just imagining people <laughs> yeah. who are just opening the book yeah. on this quote and like, what is going on? <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, I'm it's, sure uh, people will figure it out. But, yeah. Uh, like, but it's, um, I, I feel like this book, more than the other books that have been released, is very much uh, 
fills a niche for older vampire players yeah. more than newer ones that i agree absolutely it's i think it's more yeah. aimed for the older players too yeah because like because this is for when you're done with being you know the personal horror of losing your humanity this adds another layer of complexity to vampire society hmm. i think for new players it might be a little bit overwhelming to also get into this stuff on the other hand if you do a complete hikata chronicle this book is crucial yeah, I mean, the book has a lot of ideas which are perfect for the new players, like, uh, for example, the uh, circle. It's, it's great. Oh yeah. oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, but I think in general, I, I love it myself as an older player, I guess, of Vampire the Masquerade, knowing the previous editions. But uh, it is a big pat on the head for all the older players. See, you have this book, finally, which is catering yeah. to your needs. Yeah, and exactly. We I, are making new contents. We're just not remaking older content. Yeah, yeah. So I, I feel that it is the book which is aimed for yeah. those players who are kind of maybe complaining at yeah. other books, saying that this is all new. I, I want something yeah. that reminds yeah. me of the old good times. So yeah, that's the big pattern back to us older gamers. <laughs> I, I just, I just want to correct something I just said, because they're not just remaking old content. Uh, yeah, of course. <laughs> Yeah, I, I found every book right now published to be pretty interesting to read. Uh, the Chicago by Chronicles, Chicago by, Chicago by Night book is extremely well written. Um, but yeah, I agree that it's it's definitely catering to to people who want to do, delve deeper into a vampire society. But as we're talking about Chicago by Night and as we're talking about the criticism uh, towards the books in general, one of the criticisms against the cults of the blood gods is the fact that the inclusion of Hecata clan and the discipline of Oblivion and the ceremonies and you know all the cool stuff yeah, yeah. that they're having is making La Sombra less interesting. How do you guys think about it? Um, out of a system perspective you mean like for like meta yeah, because, because the the interesting parts the the most uh, exclusive part of being a la yeah. sombra was the discipline oblivion and yeah. now it gets shared with the Khan hekara who of course I'm, i feel like we shouldn't interpret it as la sombra cannot use these rituals because i think yeah. we should be also able to use all the oblivion stuff that hekata gets yeah yeah but it's yeah one of those it, things where they've given two different things the same name and yeah. i think Probably they've got this idea of combining uh, the abyss with the Shadowlands, like where yeah. ghosts are, but also where like shadow demons are and stuff. Like yeah, that. which is a very cool idea, and you can have it in your campaign if you want. But then uh, there's no necessary rules in there that say the Hikata can't yeah. have the Sombra powers and the Sombra can't have Hikata powers, um, which. Honestly, I think if you want to play as a La Sombra, you will pick the, the things that come in Chicago yeah. by night. And if you want to play a Hakata and do the necromancy stuff, you will pick the, the, the powers in uh, uh, Cults of the Blood Gods. I have to actually but, disagree with one thing, though. With the Shadowlands and the Abyss, I think they are very different things still. Although they are both part of Oblivion, then you have different abilities that are leading you either to the abyss or to the shadowlands because they do have yeah, the ritual this connection yeah. between them though right yeah but the pit of contemplation is not sending you to the shadowlands and then there's this ritual mm. that sends you to the shadowlands per se oh yeah totally, totally. yeah like technically different places yeah, yeah. Um, i think i think i think the abyss was more clearly something completely unexplainable in the old yeah. And now yeah. it's kind of muddled the water a little bit. Like, could be related, could not be related. It's it's not entirely sure. I think Abyss is more like a 
uh, okay, Shadowlands is mm. a physical place, kind of, yeah. uh, mm. in another dimension, of course, but yeah. the place in which you have necropolis, the cities, right? You have yeah. uh, living uh, entities inside there, while Abyss is more of a dimension that you draw the power from yeah. when you are La Sombra. Mm -hmm. So I guess it's, it's not I, a physical place, right? I, I, I think... I think that they ultimately settled on the abyss being hell, where the angels who fell in Demon the Fallen were being kept. I think that's what the abyss was in the older editions. Oh. I'm not entirely sure, but I know because the Maelstrom, the Six Maelstrom, mm -hmm. now I'm really on deep water because this is just stuff I've read like on the side. The Six Maelstrom that was uh, happening because of Augustus Giovanni, I think um is it was, what it was happening because well, of the week of well, nightmares well, yeah exactly it? sorry yeah yeah sorry the week of nightmare uh yeah, exactly that's what released the demons from demon the fallen uh to come into our world uh and because it had such an impact on and i guess the abyss is also like deep umbra a part of that if you go werewolf yeah there's a lot of <laughs> lore yeah. in there that is interconnecting i think yeah. changeling also mentions it somehow yeah yeah i think so too yeah yeah um but I think, like from from a system perspective, yeah, I think it can be a little bit muddled. But uh, from a pure game perspective, something I would have wanted more in Chicago by Night uh, is more talk about the Sabbat leaving, oh, the La Sombra leaving the Sabbat, like made given more information to the players about that. I think we're going to get that in the Sabbat book eventually. I, I hope so. Yeah, because that would have helped. Uh, make ma that would have made it easier to make a make a Lozombra character. I believe I, I feel because um, like Huddy is playing a Lozombra in in the upcoming game, and we had the option of either Huddy being you know part of this new deal with the Camarilla, being an old enough Lozombra for that, being um, Anti Tribute, which would have been very complicated, or being someone so young that they were embraced after the the you know shift to the Camarilla. And all three options are very difficult because there's not enough information about this in the yeah. Chicago by Night book, in, in my opinion. That's, um, that's interesting, yeah. though, because I feel like uh, we need to get that Sabbath book eventually. Yeah. And I, yeah, I'm so it. wondering how they're going to deal with the idea of Sabbath. You know, judging from the previous, uh, all the books of V5 I've read, they're trying to make everything more universal. They're trying to yeah. make clans more universal. They're trying to uh, add a lot of more archetypes which expand our ideas or old stereotypes of the clans that we had engraved in our heads. Same with Nagaraja right now or, yeah, yeah. you know, Giovanni. And uh, I wonder what they're going to do with Sabat. How they're going to make Sabat more universal? How they're going yeah. to, to make it, uh, you know... Uh, catering to more uh, audience and uh, possible to play yeah. various different vampires within the Sabbat. I, I wonder how they're going to do it. Yeah. Especially yeah, as Sabbat was so far portrayed to be the ultimate boogeyman um, mm -hmm. and the very stupid boogeyman too of V5. Yeah. They are the ones that got wiped by the Second Inquisition because right. they were so reckless and so stupid. Yeah. So yeah. they are basically portrayed as shovel heads by the whole V5 so far. So what I'm thinking is the Sabbath is going to rise from the ashes and it's going to rise smarter. But how smarter they're going to be, in what kind of a way, what they're going to do, what's going to be their dif difference in between them and Anarchs and or Camarilla. If, if I had to guess, which is probably wrong, we don't, you know, we hear about the La Sombra leaving and stuff. We don't hear anything about the Samichi, what they're what they're doing. Yeah, Maybe yeah, exactly. they take over the reins of the Sabbat from, you know, La Sombra's these are the administrative yeah. people. Maybe they do. 
there is a part in Beckett's Jihad Diary, which is really interesting because um, the Tsimishi or Tsimitsi clan founder. I say it wrong. Yeah, don't worry about I, it. I, I, I'm trying to say Tsimish now because apparently that's how you're supposed Tsimish. to. I don't, I don't know. I always um, call him Tsimitsi. That, that yeah, yeah. Same, so do same. I. Uh, okay, let's. Okay, Tsimitsi. I'll change, I'll change <laughs> it back. I know their their clan founder is all over the place. Like part of him is in the Big White Worm. Tremere, spoiler. Part of him is <laughs> underneath uh, New York and the... underneath New York and 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 a small part of him is in literally everyone who is in the clan who has vicissitude. He's in all of us. He's in all of us. And part of him is also in every single Sabbat vampire because the flower of Kupala mm-hmm. that was used in Valdery is actually a part of the Tsimitsi antediluvian, uh, according to some <laughs> right. of the old lore. Okay. So he's all over the place. Poor guy. Is he like Santa? I think that antediluvian is going to play a crucial role in the new Sabbat. I hope so anyway, because that would be cool. That's good too. Yeah. I'm but thinking yeah. I'm thinking that maybe once because we have this shift of the clans where yeah. a lot of clans which are considered Camarilla only are shifting to Anarchs. So for example, we have Anarch Ventru now, or we have mm, uh, Anarch yeah. Malkavians, which is I think the biggest deal. Because Malkavians were originally always only Camarilla or Sabbath, yeah. nothing yeah, in between. Exactly. Mm, and uh, then also you have Gangrels and Bruja who completely went away from the Camarilla. So I'm thinking maybe now that La Sombra rejoined Camarilla, they left a lot of spots in there. They left a lot of mm-hmm. seats in the Sabbat. Mm-hmm. So what if Ventru yeah. took over Sabbat in the, in the that big would be That would be very interesting. Yeah. Swapsies. 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 But it, it's it's interesting, yeah, because the, the La Sombra, like I made a couple of videos about them recently, they are literally the linchpin keeping the Sabbat together because the Tsimitsi can't do that. They're too focused on their own uh, yeah. Dahaka and, you know, their own thing. So without the La Sombra, there's going to be a lot of... I could really see Ventru in Camarilla, in Anarch, and in Sabbat. I could just see them, because it sounds like a Ventru thing, where they would just yeah. spread that around. yeah. yeah. What Power the, wherever they can get it. What if the followers of Urshulgi, the Banu Hakim Methuselah, took over this? Because the anti-tribute Banu Hakim or Asamites were in the Sabbat but originally. But they left mm-hmm. when and then Urshulgi they, came. And maybe they're going to take over. Like, who knows? Know. There's a lot of different ways, a lot of different things. We need the book. We need the book. Yeah, we, need, we need the book. Give us the book. Give us the book. Um, we got a question in the chat about how uh, all the other factions are considering the Hekata now with their necromancy. And there's a specific part about that in the book that I just wanted to bring up. Everyone thinks that the Giovanni and the Hekata are just collapsing on itself yeah. still yeah. because of the internal conflicts. And that's their major advantage right now. Everyone mm. thinks they're actually losing, but they are stronger than they've ever been. I think there's yeah. this very good balance in the book inside the clan Hekata, because of course there is going to be the internal war and yeah. as much it's a cold war right now when they are actually not openly fighting against each other they're all sitting at one table but they are spreading bad rumors about everyone else and it's basically like a very bad christmas dinner where you hate everyone <laughs> but you have to yeah. spend time there so uh it's kind of like that so this is of course a big problem for clan hekara and something that makes them weaker but what makes them stronger is the absolute op fact that they are not subjected to the beckoning yeah yeah that's, it's that's crazy a huge big big law news they killed all their elders and that's maybe why yeah. there's uh, it could be there's a lot of nice questions yeah, yeah. that you can answer for your own campaign in this but yeah 
cool idea, the cult of killing all the Methuselahs just to make sure that your clan doesn't subject for the beckoning. Wasn't that in the Anarch book? It's like, eat the elders. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Eat the rich. Yeah. So, eat the rich. Yeah. Um, I, I love it. There's so much stuff about the uh, Hikata too, like the, the, the family reunion that they're talking about when when all the young uh, members of the clan are like, wait a minute, this whole fight that we've got going, it's because of those people. Yeah, yes. no, it's not us, that's yeah. them. Yeah. And they don't give a shit about us. So yeah. let's be friends. I like the fact how Hikata is showing how although the biggest power per se, the, you know, the blood potency, the discipline power lies in the yeah. elders, how you can actually turn <clears throat> this away with having all these youngsters who are rebelling against the elders yeah. and how they can actually get power, although maybe they are they are not as potent, they have yeah. not as many freaking insane powers, they can still take over the whole clan. It's yeah. pretty yeah. funny. Have you guys seen the meme where someone, a guy is standing in the kitchen with a coffee cup, like, hey, hey man, what's going on? And there's like the kid going, youth rebellion. And the guy goes, yeah, stick it to the man. Um, it's like a, ah, oh, man, I need to remake that meme because <laughs> the Cappadocians, like the, <laughs> really old, the really old Cappadocians are actually siding with the youth. Yeah, they just like get going, woken up and it's yeah, like, oh, like, hell what's going heck, on? And like, hell yeah, stick everyone. it to the man. Okay. <laughs> like there's one part about uh, a really old Cappadocian calling their child's cell phone the devil box or something. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. God. I really like that where yeah. they, the old uh, Cappadocians and Harbingers are, are siring now. Yeah. That they can actually can. And they're like really, really obsessively teaching these and yeah. like forming young vampires. Like, I love it. You are my child and I will do everything for you. It's so funny. What's That's really adorable. Yeah. The best part is the fact that Serena is still alive. Serena from Blood yeah. for Redemption. Right. Yeah, such a good thing. Yeah. No one knows what she's doing, right? She's in, uh, she's in Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Right? Jerusalem. Yeah. yeah doing stuff in Ooh, Jerusalem. She could do a lot there, I feel uh, like. I have Malachi. We haven't talked about those guys. Oh, well, uh, yeah. I, I am actually using them in the campaign right now. It's going they to are be really creepy. Fun. They They're are so creepy. creepy. They are. Like, there's, there's a chapter about Jerusalem in Beckett's Shahad Diary. You do not want to know what's underneath there. That's perfect. It's, it's yeah. you know, that's the word of darkness, you know. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, speaking of Cappadocians themselves, uh, the book actually mentions it very briefly, but it's something to... Uh, considered for the future, maybe it's going to be in one of the future releases, that Cappadocians, per se, the classic Cappadocians, are not strictly a part of Hecata. Like, they didn't join the family dinner, and they may still think, consider joining the Camarilla. So in the Ooh. future, we may f actually get the inclusion of clan Cappadocian in the Camarilla, which would be, be awesome. Cool. That would yeah. be very cool. Didn't Matthew Dawkins also say that not all Giovanni joined uh, the family dinner, and that mm they will be available in the player's handbook. I seem to recall reading that somewhere. Maybe. That, that like old school Giovanni, like the ones who didn't join the family dinner. I think that's in this book. Oh, like, oh, okay. Uh, I, I might be wrong. No, no, no. I think it's actually, no, you know, there is the Giovanni uh, lore sheet, I guess. Uh, yeah, yeah, because you choose your disciplines depending on which uh, which bloodline you are. So I guess, I guess that kind of explains itself. 
Yeah, I got excited for no reason. I feel like you can actually <laughs> still um, totally role play the old school clans within this new setting. And yeah. for example, take the Nagaraja with the original Bane, apply the discipline rules which you have in the V5 core book, and just say that they didn't join the family dinner. They're still there, you know, the classic yeah. people from the clans. And maybe it's it's the, this magical thing where all the Hecata members joining the family dinner have the common curse right now, but those who didn't still retain those older curses, which could be pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. What do you guys think about the compulsion of Clan Hecata? What was that? Uh, I don't that was remember. Obsession I with Death. You're basically... Oh, the morbidity. Yeah. Uh, the description of it, I think, is... Uh, possibly slightly disruptive where they're like, I've got to go and solve a murder now. Yeah. Which it's, I, I do like uh, the overall idea of becoming obsessed and like uh, with the idea that someone is going to die, like oh, yeah. starting to predict deaths in have, awkward situations. <clears throat> yeah, I have a problem with compulsions in general because uh, you can roll bestial failures in any possible occasion. Right? Yeah, exactly. So Unless imagine you're, you're at the yeah. freaking table. You're having a little blood cup with people, and suddenly you roll some kind of a, I don't know, you try to Knowledge juggle something, something yeah. and show yeah. them how performance or whatever, and your compulsion triggers. How yeah. the hell do you role play a Hakata compulsion in that environment? You suddenly <laughs> think about death of everyone around? can be difficult. A, a lot of the time, unless it's important going to things going on at the moment, sometimes I just ignore. Yeah. I, I, I was going to say that that for if, if you're in a group that roll dies less, like I, I, I my my group culture or whatever you want to call that, we only really roll when it's something that's it could be relevant to the plot if it fails and if it succeeds. If it's supposed to succeed, we'll just hash it out. Okay. Um, and in that way, uh, the compulsions can be used as an interesting, like, for it to happen. But I find that they can be extremely disruptive to, like, a whole scene. Yeah. They happen. Because the players are like, how am I supposed, like, how much am I supposed to be paranoid? Or how much am I supposed to be obsessed with some people dying around me? Like, it's it, it, it's difficult to role play. Um, yeah, I would say that uh, with the compulsions, count compulsions in general, I am not really into the whole idea of them triggering only when you score the bestial failure, and that's you know the very strict oh, rule. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. I, yeah, I, I, I think like a lot, a lot of these compulsions, for example, Ventru, right? They feel this like they they're inclined to rule over other people. Mm, and yeah. they would be inclined to do so, maybe not forced to be like that, but they would be like trying to take the lead in a lot of the social situations, even, you know, not realizing it fully because yeah. that's in their blood. And <clears throat> why exactly when I fail horribly, suddenly I need to assert my dominance, you know, it's, it's sometimes very hard to role play. Yeah, I've, I've had, a, I mean, especially last session in my home game, there were a lot of bestial failures and a lot of messy crits and a lot of frenzies. Ooh. And they, I think I, I trusted the players enough to uh, make the decision about how much and where their compulsions came into it and for what reasons. But I, I every time I handed one out, it was like, this is up to you. You don't have to do this, but it kind of, you will be fighting against it. So it, if you don't want to act into this, then you just take a minus. Like yeah. it's it's not too bad. Um, 
And, and, and I, I think that's a I think that's a very reasonable way to approach it. Yeah, uh, like hardline forcing someone to act in a certain way um, can, especially since, like you said, how often you can roll bestial failure. It's it's a it's it's like a sledgehammer, you know. It, it can ruin everything if you if you're, if it pops up in the wrong time. And but for yeah. some storytellers, that could be fun. Like, yeah, let's just roll with it. But if you have this carefully, like a scenario, I was playing the uh, um, the sacrifice for mm -hmm. Chicago by Night, the starting adventure with the. I'm not going to spoil it because it's in the book, but um, it's a very crucial scene at an Elysium, and I think there was just this random roll of. Uh, etiquette and one player uh, did a had a bestial failure and literally went like super paranoid and we didn't know what to do with it because he started like he 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 was acting on it obviously but he was you know the whole scene kind of fell apart yeah because it, it's so disruptive and if vampires are falling for this left and right it's like holy shit how are they managing to keep their society together i mean vampires of course would be less controlling of their own uh, behaviors than humans would be, I think. Like like vampires are driven by the beast within them, and uh, messy criticals especially are a very interesting way to to role play this beast. Uh, it's just that bestial failures themselves. I feel like it is up to a storyteller to. That, that's why I like about the bestial failures that you you can actually pick whether it's a clan compulsion yeah. or whether it's you know aggravated damage or or something else or a different kind of compulsion. So it's up to the storyteller to actually pick a good one for the situation and what would happen. Mm. And uh, same with the messy criticals. You can score a messy on the uh, wits and awareness role and nothing yeah. would happen. Although we actually did a, like a little role-playing session in the SBN yesterday on the Discord. And my character actually had the messy critical and uh, on the wits and awareness. And we did role-play it because he's a Malkavian as a paranoia for, for a moment yeah, yeah. because yeah. he was just like too much overload of the of all the mm. uh, stuff but yeah it's up to a storyteller to really use that that's why i like jason carl and how he is storytelling because he's not taking the book as you know everything from the book has to be yeah. you know shown in the in the in the role playing he's um taking the book as a tool not as a bible per se that where you have to follow every single word which is pretty good no, it should be, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, oh. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I feel also that resonances, blood resonance, extremely difficult to work in organically in a game. Uh, I, he doesn't use them, right? I haven't heard, I've heard him mention resonances a couple of times, but he doesn't really use them. Well, like extremely Especially hard, right? the Hakata and the Lasombra require a void of resonance i don't fully understand that but i've not actually played with uh, using those rules so isn't it the lack of resonance actually there is uh a chart that i use quite often to decide what resonance a, a random yeah, you roll d10s yeah, twice yeah. Yeah. yeah i i i've used that quite a lot but um i haven't managed to include the I guess serial killer esque void of emotion sort of aspect of it, which is mm. I I would say different from just not feeling particularly emotive at the moment. I think as a storyteller, I would only allow the rolling in cases like when players totally randomly just find someone on the street and try to drink them. But in general, I would try uh, to include humans that are drinkable in the locations that we are you know doing stuff in. Mm which have 
intense resonances and could possibly end up with a dyscrasia. Because I think that's an interesting part. And um, to actually get a dyscrasia by the book, you have to roll D10 for the uh, possible uh, intensity of the resonance, right? And only when you yeah. get the either 10 or 1, then you have to roll again to make sure if that is actually a dyscrasia or not. And it actually gives you such a little chance per vessel to get that dyscrasia that it never really happens in our campaign, at least, where everyone is playing online and just rolling for themselves. It so rarely happens. So uh, when I would be a straighter for a campaign like that, I would just try to include these very resonant humans more often just to use that part of the mechanic. Yeah, it's. Uh, I would love to have the kind of chart. I, it's probably available in the storyteller's screen, but like for it's, me, resonance yeah. is such a strange thing to implement. It's difficult for me to implement in the game. I yeah, guess. I understand that. It's a new thing too. I feel like new books are going to maybe expand the topic a little bit more yeah, yeah. to make it again more universal. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, guys, it was awesome. We actually went through the whole yeah. book. I think. Yeah, um, I think so. There's one thing we didn't talk too much about. Yeah. Quadri types and predator types, if we want to mention those. Oh, yeah. Oh, there's so many quadri types in the book. I, I don't mm. really remember. They're very often yeah. uh, actually connected <laughs> with the with the, the cult. cults. Mm. Yeah. So you, for example, have the nemesis. Um, That's the only one I remember. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, nemesis. You have uh, uh, the saboteurs from Church of yeah. Sets. Right. Yeah. yeah there, there's a oh, lot of. Oh them. yeah, yeah. I was just thinking because there's one that's about like uh, people who are there to form a cult. Like I, I was reading that, going, ah, that's what we should have had in our game, uh, the one that's coming on Tuesday. But yeah, I don't, I don't think we can cover the whole book. I know someone in chat was asking about predator types. That's why I brought it up. Uh, predator types are two new ones. There's a um, extortionist, of course, yeah. and there's yeah. the grave digger. Uh, and yeah. Gravedigger is actually interesting because they do not, I mean, some of them totally dig up the fresh corpses and drink from that, but for that you have to have Iron Gullet, uh, which yeah. is a very expensive merit, and not a lot of uh, people pick them at uh, creation. Speaking of which, we need more merits, absolutely. Yeah. We don't have enough yeah. merits. Oh yeah, for sure. It's, it's like, just, why, it's why are those books not including more merits? Like, I, I want more merits in every single book that they're doing. Yeah. It's thing so is, it's a weird balancing act because when we were doing character creation, we were like, there are too many merits. <laughs> really? This is too much. There's too much going on for a new player to just read through them yeah. easily. Well, it's because but it's then, all it's all together. It's yeah. background yes. merits and flaws. They, yes. that, that, that's a design decision I don't understand. Merging backgrounds with merits. It's difficult. Yeah, I, I mean, I they have a guess. similar effect. I sort of yeah. get it, but... But the book I mean, is very poorly organized for that, in my, in my opinion. That as well. That's why, but, yeah. Yes, what, more, what I'm, more merits. What I'm talking about, whenever I'm talking about V5, I'm telling people that, yeah, sure, the book itself, uh, in the paper form, I have it, and it's wonderful. But get the PDF so you can use the search function. Because yes. it's yes. so yeah. important. <laughs> That's yeah. why I never, I almost never, maybe today, I actually used the book for the first time when I was just like sitting with my daughter and reading the gangrel part for my video. But in general, I always use the PDF so I can just search things. Mm, yeah. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Anyway, guys, thank you so much because uh, I thank think you. we joined everything and uh, we covered stuff uh, from the books, uh, from the book pretty. Uh, 
I think it was, yeah, all the chapters, kind of, except yeah, for yeah, the, the campaign so. itself, uh, which should be covered by the veil of spoilers. So <laughs> we're not going to, to talk about that. So the book is still on Kickstarter, guys, if you want to uh, support it. Maybe someone can drop the link in the chat. I'll be very grateful because I don't have the yeah, link sure. at hand. I'll do that. Thank you. And uh, yeah, we're going to meet again and we're going to talk about more Vampire the Masquerade shenanigans. I would actually love to hear from people uh, what kind of a topics Vampire the Masquerade related would you guys like us to talk about? Because there are so many things we can do the episodes about and uh, I have some ideas, but maybe the Ooh. chat has more ideas for us. It's a really good question. Yeah. I do have some ideas, but I'm going to discuss them with you in private. <laughs> Perfect. And yeah, thank you so much, guys, for joining today. And we're going to meet again, hopefully in two weeks or three or somewhere soon. Somewhere around there. Yeah. Somewhere around there and do more beckoning. Thank you so much and goodbye. <laughs> thank you. Bye bye, everyone.